with the scent of potpourri. Films we commit to memory. Crossing the felt ropes, watching from home on my TV, looking at all my eyes can't see. They tell me I view obsessively. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. Uh, you can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com, and while every episode will always be free, if you'd like to support what we do here, you become you can become a Patreon at pa- or a patron at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer for tons of bonus audio content, including TV and book reviews, media reaction, movie reviews, Patreon potpourri episodes, movie commentary tracks, and much, much more. Um, I recently just kind of had this thought in my head that like, basically the way that I do Patreon is I throw a bunch of shit at Patreon, uh, and then, and then, you know, people can listen to it and everything. But basically the kind of thought process I have is that no matter what tier you join at, um, basically if say you're say hypothetically that you are a patron for one year, it's a monthly recurring payment each month. Um, at no point will you spend more money than it would, than it would cost to have like each Patreon thing for like a dollar a piece. Does that make sense? I don't know. Like, like you never, I, I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. you're... It's just like one of those equations on Twitter where they're like, solve for X. And I'm like, dude, I'm not in the math class. I'm on Twitter. <laughs> maybe let's. Maybe let's like write this out. Draft. Yes, uh, the amount of content on Patreon. If you pay for Patreon, which we have several different tiers, uh, depending on how much you want to pay and what access to content you want. Um, if you, if like, say you spend, like you you give us your money. <laughs> Which sounds just so terrible. Like I feel like I'm crashing and burning in this pitch. Give but... me the money. <laughs> it's not getting better. Yeah. Are you but... saying that if you were to purchase these things separately, these these bits I... individually, they would be a dollar? They would be piece? less than you would be paying less than one dollar per piece of content okay. on there. Yeah. So anyway. Oh, okay. Uh, Only 30 yeah. cents a day, you can feed one of these hungry children. You can yes. Exactly. Anyway, I'm your host, Matt Hurt. <laughs> and if you're still listening, you can find me on social media, including Letterboxd, that obsessive viewer. And today on the show, we're going to be reviewing James Gunn's uh no, just James Gunn. It, James Gunn's uh Guardians of the Galaxy Zizies Volume Three Zs, uh, which is currently in theaters, and we're going to follow that up with a review of the new film Blackberry about the rise and fall of the first smartphone opening in theaters this weekend. And joining me today to do that are two returning guests, my IFGA colleagues and friends, uh, Brent Luthold, whose letterbox ac- activity can be found fa- followed at letterbox.com slash awaken the dark and whose written and podcast work can be found at awaken the dark.com and Joe Shearer, whose letterboxed is letterboxd.com slash Joe R Shearer and whose written work can be found at midwestfilmjournal.com. And he also has, uh, several guest appearances on medium cool podcast. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so welcome back to the show. Uh Joe and Brent, how are you guys doing uh this evening? Doing well. Trying out my new microphone. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. If you want to 
hear us Just talk all about that. Box today. <laughs> <Nice>. Yep. <laughs> uh, you can check that, that out on Patreon. We talked about it a little bit. Uh, yeah. Mm, also, check the watch. show notes. Never mind. Where you say the unboxing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so like, what's new? Um, it's been a while since. Uh, really, it's been a while since I did a proper episode of the podcast. But also, it's been a while since uh, both of you guys were on the show. Yeah. Um, I'm going to discreetly bring up my archive page here. I remember last year, Halloween ends, and uh, yes. uh, VHS 99 was that the one? Uh, I think it was one of the VHS was ones. 99. So, yeah, 99. Yep, that's right. Okay. You guys were both on for that episode, episode 385. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so for our listeners, what's new with you guys? Have like, I know Brent, you you got a new microphone. And Joe, you yelled at some clouds. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have some. I have another child. I just had a child. I don't know if you know now. That, I think that was Robert De Niro. Actually, that's not me. Oh, um, I, <laughs> not that I. I mean, I don't have seven like him. I've got three, and my girlfriend has two, mm-hmm. and you know, so it seems like I've kind of got like upwards of five. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't need any more, but, um, <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I've got a new job. Yeah. I mean, I don't nice. think that's, that's not, I mean, that's, it's exciting for me, but you know, not for, I actually have a couple of new jobs, honestly, but, um, <laughs> you know, that's exciting for me, but not for anyone listening to this. Um, but, um, yeah, I've, I've watched some really good movies lately and, and nice. I'm excited to talk about a couple of them today and, and, uh, maybe, some of the others also, if, if things work out the right way. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Brent, how about you? Uh, how's the new mic? <laughs> it's going well. I, I got this email. So mm-hmm. I, I got this email with the, the, the presets for it. So oh. I think you have to download them and everything. Wow. So I didn't do that yet. Uh, but, but yeah, no, it's, it's cool. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I just got some new, uh, gear from, uh, universal audio. guess I got to nice. plug them. Cause, uh, Ooh. yeah, you know, there we go. <laughs> if nice. you do that, they'll Wait. give you money. I hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they will. I have no idea, but, uh, no, I've been happy with the, the, the mic so far. I guess nice. I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you, Matt. Cause I don't know. You can probably, you can probably hear it better. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm actually really impressed with it. Given that, uh, and I'm not I'm not going to get too in the weeds about this or anything because this is just this is not like anyway. yeah this is this is not this is not the this is not the uh, podcast gear podcast that I dream about having. But um, no, it sounds really good, especially since it's like it's it it is like that company's answer to the SM7B, which is you know legendary and everything. But like the cost it like the price point of it is significantly lower than the sm7b but it sounds really good so so i'm, I'm impressed i like it yeah 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 it's so yeah it's it's one that i was probably going to use i guess sort of as like a mobile rig thing i just got a mm-hmm. uh, a macbook air last month or something like that so and it's been kind of nice the one that i have that i had before that is another macbook air but this one's like beefed up a little more Mm -hmm. i think it has maybe four times the amount of ram oh wow Um, so at least twice the amount but yeah i think it's four because i think my old one only had two gigs of ram and this one i think has eight so uh Hmm. so anyway yeah nice it'll be it'll be fun um yeah might might be doing some mobile recordings later this month with it not, nice. Not 100% sure how it's all going to work out, but it might work out. Very nice. Mobile recordings for Awake in the Dark? 
Yeah, nice. yeah, we might we might do a Fast X podcast potentially. Oh, um, nice. We're we're working out details, but um, but yeah, I'll probably use like the mic I'm speaking on right now and nice. other stuff to do that. So that'll be fun. I haven't done. I was trying nice. to think of that when I was thinking of that before. I was like thinking the logistics of it. I haven't done really a mobile podcast or mobile episode in like a while. Like it's been oh, years yeah. for sure. Wow. Those those um, are always pretty fun. You know, it's interesting because like I, I used to do the red carpet stuff and the press day stuff for Heartland and Indie Film mm-hmm. Fest, but then like COVID hit and I don't know if they really do mm-hmm. all of that anymore. But I, I will uh, I'll do for Patreon uh, mobile recordings where I'm like driving home from the movie theater or if I'm doing like a double feature. I'll be a nerd and take my live mic and, and my uh, Rode AI micro um, and, and just record into my phone like a, like a nerd. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all good content that you can get. So if you take, if you take, like if X equals the amount of content on Patreon and then you multiply that by the amount of, I'm kidding, but anyway. Um, <laughs> the amount of microphones like, that I've got. Yes. Like, oh my God, he's doing it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, that's exciting. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, I, uh, so yeah, what, what else uh, to, to kind of get away from the microphone talk and everything. Cause I'm, I'm already already worked up about it. Um, <laughs> the, uh, what, what have you guys had like published in terms of film journalism, uh, recently? Um, if you guys want to, want to go ahead and promote anything you guys have done lately, like what's the most recent thing you've, uh, covered, or if you haven't covered it, what's something that you've watched that we haven't, uh, that we're not going to be covering on the podcast tonight. <laughs> um, go for it, Joe. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I've, I've actually kind of, um, started picking up the last couple of, um, last couple of weeks. Um, and you know, I, I've, it's been a slow start for me. Um, but, um, I, I've kind of picked up what I've been watching and I've done a couple of, um, things for MFJ. Um, so I did, um, Jesus, I'm, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be slick here and, and I'm looking my <laughs> name up in there to, to tell everybody what I've done. And my new stuff is not even on here. I, I did, um, I, I did, Jesus, I can't even re- remember what the movie's called. Um, a, um, a kind of a low budget horror. I did. Well, first of all, I did mafia mama. I did review that. Mm. My God, that was terrible. Um, and <laughs> I, and I did, oh, I did, um, unwelcome, which is a shutter film that was okay. very, okay. very fun. Um, nice. uh, you know, I, I was just doing it. Honestly, I was just reviewing it to just to review something. And I was mm-hmm. very pleasantly surprised. Um, it, it has, um, what is her name? Um, she played, she was in the second Ant-Man movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Hannah John came and she played ghost. Oh, nice. in that movie. And, um, so she plays a, basically her and her husband have this traumatic event where they are, um, accosted by some young street th- toughs. And uh, around that time, they find out that her husband's um, aunt has died and left them this house out in the Irish. This is a, uh, it takes place in England, in London first, and then in Ireland um, when they go back to his the, the motherland to to claim this house um, that also has this uh, uh, sort of um, horrific secret attached to it in the guise of these little troll things that um, basically will murder people um uh, upon command if you if you ask them to um but of course uh, as as tends to be the case with troll people 
they um, it comes with a price. So um, the, you know, so there's there's sort of that kind of deal going on too. Very fun. It's got kind of a good sense of humor. Um, I'm trying to remember what the um, the the tagline of it was, or not the tagline, but the 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 elevator pitch, so to speak, mm-hmm. was draw dogs meets gremlins, and that's oh. a pretty apt kind of description. Um, it, it's pretty fun. It, it's got kind of a sense of humor. Um, it, it gets, it, it's one of those movies where nothing is happening for a while. And then suddenly there's this, suddenly there's this like very extreme gore happening and you're like, Oh my God. Nice. Um, and it's just, but it's, it's a lot of fun. If you like horror movies, I, I would say, check it out on, on shutter. Sweet. Um, if you have that, if not get yourself a free, a free preview or yeah. subscribe to it, you know, mm-hmm. shutter is fun. Um, they're they're doing good stuff. Shutter is is pretty awesome. Um, I should really re up my subscription. I had for a while a uh, an AMC Plus um, subscription, which folds in Shutter with it. So I mean, it's a okay. good deal, but the interface for AMC Plus is just not to it's be, god awful. I yeah. still have AMC Plus. Oh it's, yeah, it's the worst. I mm-hmm. I have too many streaming services, and that, mm-hmm. I mean, sorry AMC, but it's 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 <laughs> it's the worst of all of them. Not yeah. that their content's bad, but the actual right. UI. Uh, the transport controls are god awful. Yeah, I I try to browse it on like Roku and like I got it because I was like, oh, you know, I want Shutter, but then also I really want to watch my comedy Bang Bang um on there and like I, like it was weird. Like I was I was going through and I was adding stuff to my list and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch all this stuff and then like I went back and it was like some of it I don't know if there was a glitch in the app on Roku at the time or whatever, but like. I would I would click on it and be like, okay, just the, here's the information. There's no like play button anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no. what the hell? Yeah. Um, oh, I've, I yeah. just had stuff where legitimately we've been in the middle of a movie and it'll just like stop and then it's like a playback error. Oh god, oh, man, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I haven't had it happen like a ton of time, but you know, it's mm-hmm. like you know, it's just like, it doesn't have to happen much for that to be right, you know, right? Yeah, 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 and it's stuff too, like where it's like where is my list of stuff, you know, just like yeah. stuff like that, you know, yeah. it makes you hold your, hug your Hulu a little bit. Uh, <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, uh, just to, just yeah. to button up what I, mm-hmm. what I'm, what's to come. I'm, oh yeah. Uh, and, and I'll, and I might start writing this right after we're done tonight is nice. um, a review of still uh, a Michael J. Fox movie. So nice. Uh, oh, nice. A, a bit of a, a change of, of tonal pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's a, uh, that that'll be coming in the next several days, I think, yeah. to Midwest Film Journal. Nice. I'm I'm very eager to watch that. That is hitting. Is it hitting Apple TV Plus this weekend? Yeah, I believe. Oh, okay. so, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited to see that. Uh, Brent, what have you? Uh, what have you been doing lately in terms of? Well, recently, coverage? within the past minute, I just uh, <laughs> borrowed uh, Unwelcome on uh, Hoopla, thanks to Joe. Nice. I, I actually I don't know this, but I'm not sure that that's on Shutter. It might be at some oh, point, and maybe yeah. I don't. Maybe it, it, maybe it will be soon. Um, yeah. but I found it on on Hoopla, which is okay. Um, that's one. It's one of those ones. It's like Canopy, I think, which is ones that you can get through the library. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually have really like that movie on welcome came out this year and they, that's already on there. So they'll have stuff. Sometimes it's actually really new. Yeah, um, nice. so yeah, loop is a cool one to, to check out and it's yeah. not, it doesn't cost anything. All mm-hmm. you need is a library card basically. And it's not something you have to re up. So, you know what it's, yeah. uh, let, let me clarify a little bit. It's not, it's actually not a new movie. It actually came, to, I think it, it just hit like on demand. Um, it oh, had a okay, run okay. on Shutter last year. Um, I'm looking at the actually back back in 2021. 
I, I think okay. this one was made and it, it had like a brief theatrical run, like a very small one. And then maybe it disappeared for a while and then it popped up on shutter. I think it, I think it just hit like video on demand and right. a, you know, a, like a, maybe it got like a, a DVD Blu-ray release um, just, just more recently, but yeah, it, it's actually from 2021. Okay. Um, so it, it has been around a little while. Well, nice. it looks like, um, is it well, is it well go? USA. Yeah, well go. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. so they so they're I guess the distributor, well, at least that's what it said on, on Hoopla. So anyway, regardless, yeah, you can rent it on all the yeah. normal places now mm-hmm. too. Um, yeah. but if you have Hoopla, you can get it uh for free. So get out that library card. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um nice. I have one coming up on Midwest Film Journal that I don't know if I should say what the mm-hmm. series is because it hasn't debuted yet, but um I think I can say it'll be about and so right up on uh, on Beetlejuice. Okay. Um, I hope that's not a spoiler for whatever the series <laughs> may or may not oh, be. Oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh-huh. but that'll be coming out. Um, I'm I believe sometime this month. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. So I, I got that in later than I should have, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> still got it in there. Um, yeah, just recently did a too fast a review for blackberry which we're going to talk mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. and then pope's exorcist i mean oh yeah. yeah you know i'm actually working on a um what do they call it not thesis but uh doctor what do they call it when, when you're dissertation like when it, dissertation mm-hmm. i knew it was a d word i'm working on a dissertation about <laughs> nice. the pope's exorcist yeah um so i hope my it's good theses basically yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah. Without without going into too much, you know, thanks for the assist on that particular mm. movie too. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's one that I watched uh, just today. That I, as mm-hmm. as I said, w- you know, without doing a review, that was so just gloriously stupid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so many levels. There, yes. Listen, there there's a moment, and I don't know if you guys caught this. Mm. Um, I but I stopped and and round, wound it back. But there's <laughs> there's a point when. Let, let me just say, without spoiling, uh, it's at a pivotal point of the movie. A, a character touches a crucifix to someone's head, and yeah, it, and it's one of those like someone throws it and someone catches it, and when when the person catches it, there's this very distinct like power up sort of like, <laughs> yeah. and, and I was like. I didn't just hear that, did I? I wound it back. Sure enough, it's just sure enough, like, it was there. <laughs> nice. And I laughed yep. really loud. <laughs> yeah. I so I saw the Pope's Exorcist. Um, actually, it was the day of the Guardian screening. Um, I went after work and I was like, you know, the Guardian screening isn't until eight, so I'm just gonna watch. I'm just gonna catch a movie and then hang out and then see Guardians. Um, and like. I like that's the kind of movie that I wish I could have seen like in a packed theater because like with like the right crowd that is that could have been just a such a fun Mm -hmm. a fun movie but uh but I I mean there was like there were two two other people in the theater with me (laughs) um and and it was fine I I enjoyed it I I had fun with it um yeah I I was not expecting it to be as kind of goofy as it was so yeah that was a pleasant surprise Um, but yeah, so, uh, so that's what you guys have done lately. Uh, again, check out Joe's work on Midwest Film Journal and Brent's work at, uh, at awakenthedark.com. Uh, I almost said obsessiveviewer.com, which would have 
ceded control of my empire over to you. <laughs> so yeah, we're merging. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, tonight on the show, we have two reviews for you guys. Um, the big one, the main feature review of this episode is going to be a non-spoiler and then spoiler review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So as we usually do, we're going to do a uh, probably brief non-spoiler review where we kind of give broad strokes overall feelings about the movie and then we can get into the nitty gritty in a uh, spoiler section. If you want to skip the spoiler section, check the show notes for timestamps uh, that will also be found at obsessiveviewer.com slash OV393. Uh, but what say you guys, should we go ahead and start reviewing guardians of the galaxy volume three? Let's do it. Uh huh. Um, all right. Awesome. So, uh, guardians of the galaxy volume three, like I said, is currently in theaters. The premise is, uh, still reeling from the loss of Gamora. Peter Quill rallies his team to defend the universe and one of their own, a mission that could mean the end of the guardians, if not successful. Uh, this movie, of course, is written and directed by James Gunn, and the cast includes Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, uh, Dave Bautista, Karen Gillan, Palm Klementoff, Klementief, I, uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, I'm yeah. so sorry, uh, Vin Diesel, yeah, um, <laughs> Bradley oh, Cooper, yeah. uh, Sean Gunn, oh man, the villain's name, uh, Shukwudi Iwuji, <laughs> Uh, Will Poulter and Maria Bakalova. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. So this is the upteenth, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, and it has a special kind of feel to it because it is the not only is it the conclusion of the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy proper, uh, but it's also kind of James Gunn's swan song for the MCU as he's moving over to DC to head up their new DC universe. Um, so. To get into kind of get into our review, uh, I first want to ask you guys what is your relationship with James Gunn's work and how do you feel about the previous two uh, Guardians of the Galaxy's movies and the Guardians kind of uh, placement in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Uh, I will yeah. cede that question to you guys. All right. Well, uh, just you know, just to start, there's a lot of questions there. Yeah, um, that is yeah, I, pretty I'm, much my thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I you know, I I remember James Gunn. The first time I heard of him uh, was Slither, I believe, hmm. and at that time I knew that he was married to Jenna Fisher of The Office, um, and uh, you know, I was sort of jealous of that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I it's funny how I'm kind of just like scrolling through how many of his things I haven't seen. I think I saw mm -hmm. movie 43. He just oh, did yeah. a segment of that. <laughs> I did not see Super, um, which is weird because I probably should have. I feel um, like you would love that movie. Yeah, yeah. And um, and let's see, you know, he did the Suicide Squad. Mm -hmm. um, he did the Suicide Squad. Did he do both of them? No, he just did, no. the, he did the Suicide Squad. One. Who did the first one? David Ayer. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Hashtag um, release the air cut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, I pretty much saw the Suicide Squad. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you know, he's he's been good. Um, Certainly, I think the, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies have been um, highlights, you know, of the MCU, I think, mm -hmm. um, at least of their respective um, phases. So, um, yeah, I, I think that they're, you know, they're, they're sort of the quirkiest part um, you know, kind of in a consistent basis. Um, 
back to the you know the Jackson Pollock painting comment from the first one. Yeah. Um, it, it's just it's just fun the way that they you know they they get a little more irreverent, um, a little less serious. But um, yeah, I I think that um, I think it's kind of fun. I hope he does something uh, really good with the the DC universe. Um, although it's certainly in a really weird place at the moment, um, mm. it's kind of just a weird limbo <laughs> that kind of won't go away. Right. Um, but um, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see that, and um, I, you know, I I think his his work has been uh, good here um, in the MCU, and and kind of I guess overall, Slither was a was a pretty fun movie. Kind of going back to that again, um, and and had a couple of um, uh, people that would pop up in some of these Guardians movies too, right? Uh, Michael Rooker especially, yeah. um, Nathan Fillion. Um, so that that was kind of fun uh, to to see some of uh, see some of those people, some of those players, kind of coming back in, but. Um, yeah, yeah, he, he's he's doing pretty well, and um, I, I think he's uh, um, uh, as good a candidate as anybody to kind of run the DC universe going forward. So hopefully, it comes up to something pretty interesting. Nice, well said. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, Brent, how about your history with James Gunn? And uh, let me throw a few more questions at you. Um, <laughs> and Great. how you feel about Guardians as well uh, in the placement in the MCU? Yeah, um, in terms of uh, James Gunn, I didn't see, I had seen Slither, yeah, maybe around the time it came out uh, mm-hmm. and liked it. I hadn't seen Super. I would say Guardians was like one of the first ones of his that I remember that was like, oh, like it was his like writing, directing and all that thing, which mm-hmm. kind of still stands alone in the MCU of like the, the closest thing the MCU has kind of to an author if you don't uh, count Kevin Feige, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah uh, generally i mean i i i like the first two guardians movies quite a bit i like the idea that it's there's more hopefully like hands-on with this and it does feel like it's something that's that's more being kind of at least at the very least kind of spearheaded by him um mm-hmm. as opposed to something that's kind of more um y- you know a communal thing uh, like with a lot of the mcu stuff i do have to say though um watching the suicide squad and peacemaker I am encouraged with his transition to the DC EU or DCU or whatever it'll be called, because I like both of those um, a lot. Now the suicide squad, I don't know how that's even going to factor into the DCU, but I did like that movie as a just standalone thing for whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Peacemaker kind of seems like that they are going to probably that is going to factor into the DC um, Mm -hmm. DCU, the new one, but regardless, um, something about his humor is real i i again i like the guardians movies and everything but there's something about there there is a darkness to it that's sort of different and obviously um with those two movies they are more violent and they are more profane there there's that's working for me um now Mm -hmm. i'm doing superman legacy writing and directing directing that i believe um you know, we'll see. I don't know what that's going to be like. Um, mm-hmm. We'll just we'll kind of see. But um, certainly encouraged by the stuff he has done with DC so far. Um, so, yeah, I, I have to say, like him being the new whatever czar of like DC or whatever. It's kind of like what I say about like people um, uh, like the president, like of the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like who would want that job? And that's like what I think about with like the position that he's in at like Warner brothers. It's like, who would want that job? Like there's so many, like it it has to just be someone that is just 
just super loves mm -hmm. the lore and the comics and all that stuff so much that they're like, I'll take all the heat from all the crazy <laughs> Snyder sycophants yeah. and all these like people mm -hmm. who are weird about like what Batman and Superman can and can't be and all the sorts of stuff. It's like, you know, um, anyway, so good on him for taking that job on. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, man, uh, whatever, whatever you got to do. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, also Jenna Fisher, and then he's married to Jennifer uh, Holland now. Holland now, yeah. And, oh, my God, yeah. I, <laughs> I need to be a writer. <laughs> or I need to go gray or something. I don't know what he has going on. Or I need to grow a beard. Or, I don't know whatever he has that's going on. That uh, He's drawing all these uh, quite uh, good-looking uh, gens mm -hmm. into his life. But uh, good on him for that, too. And mm. uh, now I just sound bitter <laughs> <laughs> well it's interesting there, there i so one of the first things of his that i saw was actually um a mockumentary called lolly love from 2004 that he worked on like it's i think jenna fisher according to imdb jenna fisher directed it um mm. and he like helped write it too but it, it's like a mockumentary where they play according to the premise uh they play like a wealthy couple who try to do like some uh like they try to uh help the homeless population by giving them free lollipops um and i don't remember any like to be completely honest judging from that from reading that premise i have a feeling that i I have a feeling that I saw it in 2004, 2005 and was not aware that it was a mockumentary. Like I, I, I honestly think that I watched it and thought this is a real thing that they're like, this is, we this is really lame. Like this is not <laughs> like, I don't think I got it that it was a mockumentary, but, um, I never saw sliver, but I, or slither, um, but I did see super and I really liked that, um, as an offbeat, um, an offbeat superhero, not superhero, kind of in the vein of Kickass, um, but with with that like James Gunn edge to him, um, that no doubt comes from like his time in Trauma, which I I never really saw any of his stuff in Trauma or any Trauma stuff, but I'm aware of it at least. But um, yeah. but yeah, it has that edge to it, and so uh, going from there, Guardians it's just such an interesting trajectory that the guardians of the galaxy as a property has experienced throughout the MCU, because the MCU is obviously built off of granted, like Iron Man was kind of a C D list character and everything. And the first, first parts of the MCU is basically my understanding is Marvel being like, okay, what do we have the rights to let's make the Avengers out of that. And then we'll kind of like, you know, get the ball rolling and everything. But Guardians of the Galaxy was always that kind of, if not redheaded stepchild, then just like the 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 interesting like eccentric corner of the MCU, and it's amazing that we have three movies, Guardians of the Galaxy's movies, and then they they appear in two. Uh, were they weren't in Civil War? No, they they were in Infinity War and, and Endgame. Um, yeah. and their holiday special. And it's just like the heart and the emotion and just the way that they work together as like such a complete unit is like such a testament to James Gunn as, mm. as, you know, a filmmaker and everything, which we'll get into in the review. Um, 
Um, as for his DC stuff, I didn't watch Peacemaker. I just never got around to it. And the Suicide Squad I was fine with, um, mostly because I like that James Gunn edge is really good. Um, but I think I'm like, I'm ready for like the fresh DCU, like, like, cause there's still just so much, uh, kind of crap, um, like baggage to it that it's just like when I was watching the suicide, I had to watch the suicide squad twice. Cause the first time in the theater, I had like a, like an anxiety t- that had nothing to do with the movie. It was just like depression and anxiety. And I was like, I need to, I need to go home right now. <laughs> well, that um, was in 2001 too, wasn't it? Uh, or, I'm sorry. Tw- I'm sorry. Oh, oh, 2021. Sorry. <laughs> uh, was it 2021 or is it? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. You're talking about the Suicide Squad, the right? The Suicide Squad. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like. Yeah, 21. Yeah. Yeah. And then I saw it again and I was like, yeah, it was good. It's good. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it was 2021. Um, but then I just never got around to Peacemaker. But anyway, Guardians of the Galaxy, good. Um, <laughs> uh, so what did you guys think of Volume 3 um, in kind of a non-spoiler thing? And then we can get into the nitty gritty and spoilers later. It it was uh, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, uh, it's it, it is you know I was going to say it it's a movie that you know being the third in a series it it goes off in a different direction than it could have. It could have been just another you know another go round with the same kind of thing. And you know and some and, it, and not that this is you know a Halloween in sort of uh, you know level you know, deviation from the norm, but it, it goes off in a different direction. Um, it, it, it's really a kind of a superb juggling act, honestly, because it manages to kind of have those same kind of through lines of family and, and trauma and, it, you know, kind of looking at those in a kind of in a close up way, but doing it in a way that feels different than the first two movies. Um, you know, it first of all, it, it focuses largely on Rocket, you know, rather than mm-hmm. Peter as kind of the the de facto human main character that we, you know, quote unquote main character that that we're following as as a white man. You know, this is like <laughs> it's an oddly very standard kind of formula that they mm-hmm. they jump away from, and uh, you know, and Rocket is in a lot of ways the the focus of the movie, and it's really his story, and it's. It, it really digs into it's taking a bit of a risk digging into that as, as you know the trauma and you know that's been some of the a lot of the early criticism of it is that it's hard to watch especially for younger kids and um you know and it's and people have you know been kind of uh, bashing it a little bit for that for for the the you know animal mistreatment se- sequences which you know you know if if you are disturbed by those things, you know, uh, apologies, but I, I think it, it's very effective in that way. And it creates a really emotional story um, that, that kind of, and, and I guess the second, especially the second guardians did this a little bit too, kind of um, hit an emotional note that you wouldn't really expect it to. And, and um, it, it's, I, you know, I, I do think a lot of that is, as you said, Matt, uh, a testament to, to James Gunn and, and the writing and the direction of it to, to really be able to focus in on that and, and take a CG raccoon and make him a well-rounded character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, much as he kind of successfully did that with Groot in the first movie, especially, you know, giving him sort of an, an emotional, uh, kind of an unexpected emotional source of, uh, inspiration, I guess. But, um, 
he really does that in this uh, movie too with Rocket and uh, creates a, a terrific character and a terrific kind of expansion on on a character that was not one note, but uh, but not fully fleshed out as much as a Peter's character was. Um, so that that's really kind of the the strong point of it too, and, and managing different relationships too. I, I think, um, and, and I'll I'll be quiet in a second, but you know there's <laughs> that it it does go into some of these um, these relationships that they didn't really dig into too much. You know there was uh, there's moments between Drax and and Nebula, whereas Drax and Mantis in the second movie was a big um, a big focus. Um, Peter and and Gamora, of course, kind of continues, but also Peter and Nebula is, you know, like their relationship is explored. Peter and Rocket also, um, that, that, which if, if there was something that really threw me off, I think was, was that particular relationship, how, um, you know, not that they were not friends, but it, it was always Rocket and Groot as the best friends, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, and here, you know, we start off with the start the movie off with Peter saying, Oh, Rocket's my best friend. And I'm like, when did that happen? Like not, not that they hated each other, but they were always bickering mm-hmm. and they kind of had an antagonistic relationship. And now suddenly they're best buds. It's like, I don't know where that came from, but you know, they, if you, you have to kind of m- make that jump to fully accept the movie. But once you do it, you know, you're just like, okay, fine. They over the, over whatever year or so that we haven't been seeing, they, you know, they lived on this, lived in, in nowhere and become really close friends rather than kind of, quasi antagonist with each other so it's like okay but but yeah so yeah there's again a lot of stuff going on and and um uh but again with with such a big group they he you know gun did a great job of exploring these kind of alternative relationships rather than just going to the well again so to to his credit once again yeah i agree um and I, we'll, we'll talk more about that but brent what did you think of guardians of the galaxy volume three overall uh i was i was definitely mixed on it um it's Mm -hmm. my least favorite of the three guardians movies i like the first two the second one in hindsight is is my favorite of the three and when i was kind of like looking back like thinking back on on volume three i was like what didn't work on that and i was kind of kept going back to volume two and like oh yeah this is what it kind of did better um i think that um i actually I'm not, I, I definitely I like the first Guardians, but I think mm-hmm. the stuff in it that I'm not crazy about is just all of the, all of the stuff that I complain about with pretty much every first superhero movie is they, there's all this exposition and character and all the stuff they have to introduce. And that's why I end up usually liking sequels better. And that was the case with Guardians 2, where you already know a lot about these characters. They do introduce some new characters in that as well. Um, but you already kind of have a strong foundation. So I, I, I ended up liking the second one, um, really quite a bit mm-hmm. um with this one i think actually the 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 family stuff and the, the the group stuff with the guardians and all the performances and that sort of stuff i i think is generally solid like that that's that's kind of there but my biggest thing with this is i just didn't i couldn't get there with the story i just didn't think that the i think some of the writing in terms of how things are put together i wasn't crazy about but just there's sometimes I don't know if you guys feel this way. There's certain movies where they just they they in terms of a story that they pick to go with, it's just like it just doesn't work. And I mean, we can talk more, of course, in depth into into like, you know, maybe why this one didn't work for me. But there's just I mean, you it, when it comes to like a narrative and like the the overall story, you're gonna you really only if you think of it, it's like you really only have one shot at it. So you know, and for a lot of movies, I feel like for me, I'm, I'm usually pretty easy with stuff, and like that will work. But this, I just I couldn't really get around with the 
the central thrust of what they're going after. I don't even think it's really a spoiler to say, oh boy, like what they're <laughs> trying to accomplish overall, mm-hmm. which is to help Rocket. Is that enough? Is that vague enough? Hopefully. Sure. Obviously, we'll, we'll get into spoilers when we get into nitty gritty, but uh, there's something, there's a big scene in the first like 15 minutes that you think sets up like the villain and like what you think things are going to be. And it ends up just going a different direction. And I, I kind of couldn't get past that. Yeah. Um, I think there's just, there's a whole, you know, flashback structure to it that always felt kind of awkward to me. It just kind of took me out of it. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was that, but, but there, I mean, if, if you like the MCU, you're obviously going to see this movie mm-hmm. in terms of whether it's, um, a, uh, like a satisfying conclusion to this trilogy and, you know, like an emotional payoff. Um, I, I didn't have a ton of it, but I think if you're really, it's kind of, it's like we're mirroring our Halloween ends thing. Like if you're really <laughs> yeah. invested in this, in this trilogy, like in this franchise, um, you know, specifically with the guardians, it, it may well pay off emotionally for you a, a whole lot. Um, so that's just, it, it, I can't necessarily speak to that because I, again, I, I like, I like the, the, um, the first two movies more mixed on this one. But uh, I don't have a soul, so I don't uh, cry during <laughs> movies. Um, so, but yeah, I, there's things with the ending, and there, there's other things mm-hmm. that we'll certainly talk about. I, yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was more mixed. But again, I think it's great that James Gunn was able to craft this whole like trilogy within this huge thirty-plus film, you know. Uh, universe franchise. I mean, that he was able to stick with it and do and write and direct these three movies. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, that, that in and of itself feels like a minor miracle. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 you know, definitely congratulate him. And I'm glad that, uh, uh, you, you know, Feige or whoever at Marvel, you know, kind of let him ha- have mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, uh, that's, a, that's a cool note on the trilogy overall. Yeah. I, I think your, I think your criticisms are, are pretty fair too. Um, I I kind I do kind of share them. I I did have a point watching it where I was thinking, um, and and I don't I don't know I don't think it's a I don't think it, it's it's not really a spoiler to reveal who the the actual villain is. Um, no, I don't, I don't think, think it's a yeah, spoiler. It's yeah. the, the the high evolutionary is his mm-hmm. name, and if that sounds like a generic name, man, it is. Um, <laughs> but there there was a point where I was watching and I was just like. Man, he's just kind of a weak villain. And then, as it progressed more, I kind of changed my mind. Um, I, I don't think he's one of the more memorable villains by any means. He's certainly not Thanos, you know, or mm, right. you know, any of the you know, kind of the more memorable villains. He's, not, he's no Green Goblin, for example, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> no, but he's uh, uh, but it it was strangely effective for someone who they're essentially, I believe, just introducing him in this film. Um, yeah. I, I don't recall him being in the second one at all. No. Um, if he was, he certainly was just like a very, very background character. Um, Maybe he was in the collector's shop for a few right. seconds in the background. Yeah, there, yeah there, <laughs> he, he certainly, and, you know, and I know the, the, the sovereign was certainly a part of the second film, right. um, and, right. you know, and, and leading into the, the Adam Warlock reveal at the end of that. Um, yeah. It, it certainly did make a different, yeah, make for a kind of a different vibe at the beginning than than what happens later on but i i think it i think that you know in the end it, it ended up working for me but 
Um, but yeah, but you're, you're right. There, there are just a lot of kind of herky jerky beats and things that, that kind of pop out the, that, that flashback structure does kind of, um, it does kind of wear on you a little bit, but, um, but yeah, it, it just more, it just worked way more for me than it didn't. So, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, and that's, and that's again, as to your point, Brent was just, I think is that, um, I'm, I'm very invested in, in Marvel films in general. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that I can, you know, I can get there and I can, um, uh, accept certain things that other people won't. Yeah. <laughs> That's really interesting, and I'm looking forward to getting into the into the details a bit. Um, but <clears throat> for me, I like I adored this movie, and I feel like this this is such an intro. Like like uh, Brent, uh, like how you said that it's it, it's impressive that he's able to get like he was able to do three movies. Um, it's 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 funny that like just a few months ago we had Peyton Reed doing the same thing with Ant-Man. And then like, that doesn't really quite as work as well as this, uh, in terms of a trilogy. But, um, I, I was kind of just blown away by this movie. There are several things that don't really work all that well for me. Um, in particular, uh, Adam Warlock, I feel like it's, it, you're right. It's, it's not a spoiler, spoiler to say like he's, he's introduced at the beginning and then, and then we come to find out that like the high evolutionary is like the main villain of the movie. And it's, it's a little bit lopsided a bit in terms of, I, I kind of feel like James Gunn had an idea of what, of, of the arc that Adam Warlock was going to have. And it was in contention with everything like the rocket storyline and, and Gamora and, and Quill and, and the high evolutionary stuff like it was in contention with all this so i feel like adam warlock got a little bit downplayed and and fell a bit by the wayside um but the in terms of the flashback uh narrative structure of it um i think that it's uh i'll just say the the flashback narrative structure um Mm -hmm. i surprisingly i did not have a single issue with that um and i feel like that's due to me just being just completely wrapped up in in the in the narrative of the flashback like it's very clear that james gunn is going for the like he's going for every emotional gut punch that he can pull or not even pull but like he he isn't pulling any emotional gut punches um and it's i i said in my review which you can read on obsessiveviewer.com um the that i i think i said this in there at least um but at a, at certain points in the movie, it kind of feels like James Gunn is going a little bit too hard for that emotional, uh, that emotional kind of gut gut wrenching thing, mm-hmm. and it's to the point that if you're not invested in the structure, if you're not invested in the story being told, it's it may even at a certain point feel a little bit manipulative in terms of. Mm-hmm just like trying, like throwing everything emotional at you and, and trying to get that. Um, but I bought into it every step of the way. (laughs) Uh There were moments in this movie where I was, I was like, I, I was holding back ugly cry. Like I, I was, I was ready to just start bawling my eyes out and it's, Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's really, really remarkable. And one of the things that I said after the movie as well was that 
Um, I tried to do like a snarky <laughs> comment, but um, but my uh, like kind of my immediate reaction was that like, oh, you know, um, it, it's nice that Marvel didn't uh, apparently didn't uh, screw over the visual effects artists in this movie as much as they did with like Ant-Man uh, mm-hmm. and the Wasp Quantumania because the movie looks amazing. Like, yeah. the the visual effects are on point they're great they're it's not that it it felt refreshing um after suffering through quantumania and even like thor love and thunder both i felt looked very subpar from what i expect from a marvel cinematic universe movie um and so visually it was good i think every step of the way it just it it worked for me a, a couple points didn't work for me also, in terms of the high evolutionary, I, I was, I was very much invested in him as a villain, um, just be mostly just because of you know his connection to Rocket and everything. But it made me think like it's it's really it's great to see how much I don't I don't know how I I don't know if there's like a correlation to how much pull James Gunn has in each production of each uh, of each installment because. Ronan the Accuser in the first movie is like he is a nothing villain. Like right, he's like one of my least favorite parts of the first movie. Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. And like to go from that to ego in in volume two, which is who I love. Oh, amazing! Absolutely amazing. And then now we have this to kind of cap off the trilogy. Um, it's it's really nice and and. Also, having Rocket be such a focal character after having two movies that are like that they're ensemble movies, but it's like it's like the Star Star Lord like show. Um, but to have Rocket be such a pivotal and and front and center character and have that be the character that they wrap the trilogies like whole arcs around is is really uh it worked really well for me but yeah. but like i said there were a couple of things that didn't really work all that well for me which we'll get into um um but yeah so so yeah but it, did you guys have any thoughts on that <laughs> yeah, well i i kind of want to you know i kind of want to shift gears a little bit just mm-hmm. just a little bit uh, and you know and talk about you know because this you know i i keep kind of coming back to this movie as a movie about trauma, you know, and, and something that we don't explore with superheroes quite as much maybe as we could, uh, you know, we, we have in recent years a little bit, but um, the, the one arc that, that got me kind of in an unexpected way, I thought was, was that arc with, with uh, Peter and Gamora where, mm-hmm. you, you know, mm-hmm. this is, you know, talk, talk about trauma. Like, you know, if you know, you guys, I'm sure hopefully you, you know, in infinity war, you know, she was killed. Thanos killed her. Mm-hmm. And, and then in end game, a, the alternate version from, you know, Thanos's kind of timeline comes back and it comes back into this universe. So, you know, she's essentially back, but she's not the person that she was. And they really, they really dig their heels in on that and uh, make her this completely different person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and then Peter has to interact with her as, you know, someone he's in love with who he lost in a very violent way. And now he's looking at her again and she's literally someone else and he has to deal with that. And that's, that, that's something that, you know, they, they play it a lot for laughs um, in, in the movie, but, 
I, I thought the emotions of that were was that was pretty strong. Um, and I don't know, maybe it didn't work for you guys as much, but um, I I was very surprised at, at how impactful it was, and and the the way they they really kind of took it seriously. They didn't just uh, you know, and and even for Gamora as the a character, she was not just nonplussed, you know, and not like charmed all over again. She was really annoyed, and to the to almost to the extent that he was almost harassing her, um, and it's it, it just kind of gave a, a bit of an alternate view of a, a different attitude to to that sort of uh, romantic interaction that you know in in a, in a lesser movie if this was an eighties movie it would have been the movie would have been him wooing her back and getting her to come back and restore everything and instead it's you know she very strongly dislikes him th- you know through most of this movie and and I I thought that was honestly was pretty impactful that's that's really interesting because that that whole that that subplot involving them that their journey felt like it, it wasn't as uh, it didn't it didn't really um land with me as as well as i wanted it to i kind of feel like it's one of those situations where when i revisit it i feel like i'll have more appreciation for it because i kind of expect it to go a certain route and with it changing up and and not really going the the way that I kind of had my preconceived notion that it would go toward, I feel like that, that kind of maybe colored my, uh, my enjoyment of it. But I think, I do think it's a very mature, um, very mature arc, um, regardless of how I felt about it. Um, Brent, how did you feel about the, uh, yeah, the I, I liked it. it. It reminded me, like, it's one of those things, I mean, you know, I don't know, like Eternal Sunshine or mm-hmm. I hate to say like 50 first days, something like yeah. that, you know, <laughs> where it's like, oh, yeah. but the, the difference here obviously is that Gamora has a very strong personality and, you know, you see her. She's introduced in this movie. This isn't really a spoiler uh, mm-hmm. with like the like the Ravagers and like you're like, oh, she's one of them, like because she like she that's what she would have done for him and all that stuff mm-hmm. and it does make you realize like oh like he has a long way to go to like mm-hmm. kind of win her back um yeah. so i did like kind of in their conversations kind of realizing yeah just like how much they their uh you know relationship has progressed really even just over these uh these two movies mm-hmm. um and sort of them trying to sort of meet back in the middle um, was uh, was great. I I, I have to say, like Chris Pratt, um, this movie, like seeing this, because you know, it, you know, I saw he actually wasn't in the Christmas special a ton. I mean, it's not a very mm-hmm. long special, right? Um, but before that, like Guardians two was in twenty seventeen, mm-hmm. uh, and then Guardians the first one in twenty fourteen, and it just reminded me seeing him in this movie, like how much he loves playing this character. Yeah, um, he's kind of everywhere now, and we, you know, we saw, just saw him or heard him at least in the Mario Brothers movie mm-hmm. um, last month, and then I know he mm-hmm. did the Jurassic movies or whatever we're mm-hmm. calling them that trilogy, uh, which I only we're, saw one of. We're calling um, them garbage. Yeah. Oh, garbage. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the Jurassic garbage. <laughs> yeah. That's one pile. Of, that's one pile of sh- uh, trilogy. Yeah. So anyway, yes. um, so you know those. Uh, you know, I only saw the first one, but even in that one, I, I he had like kind of a Han Solo thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Not a strong character, I don't think, unless there's a lot yeah. of uh, arc that I'm missing in the other two movies with him. But regardless, <laughs> um, it just reminded me that, especially in those scenes with Gamora, like this is, um you know, this is a character that he really helped 
craft. It wasn't just mm-hmm. that, you know, he just happened to kind of be around. And, uh, you know, we watched Parks and Rec, uh, the whole series, like earlier this year. And just seeing him in the later seasons, like that London episode when they were filming in Guardian, you're like, <laughs> oh, man, this is like really where he came from. And mm-hmm. like, you know, he just yeah. kind of got all bulked up and they had to make him they had to go back and make him look kind of schlubbier, even though he's like super <laughs> cut and all this stuff. Anyway, all that to say, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'll kind of. This was a movie like at the end. I was kind of like, I'll kind of miss seeing him as this. Although, I they well, whatever. He, he maybe yeah. he'll be back. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Like whatever. So mm-hmm. so maybe he'll be back playing him again. But regardless, this will be the last time, at least in this Guardians format, or yeah. certainly in this uh, in this trilogy. So um, yeah, I but all that to say, yeah, I did, I did like it in terms of the subplots. Yeah, it was probably the ones that that worked that worked mm-hmm. better for me. Nice. I'm looking forward to revisiting it because that's that's one of the one of the ones that I feel like him and Gamora should have like should have resonated more with me. But like all of my emotional like attachment was was to Rocket's backstory and everything. Um, I just thought that was really, really well done Um, for for various reasons we'll talk about in spoilers and everything. Um, What did you guys how did you guys feel about the the pacing and and the action in this in this movie as well? Because it is it's a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Um, How'd you feel about about that aspect of the movie? Go ahead, Brent. Yeah, I think that there's um, there's certain sequences that work very well um, in turn there. There's like one within the first like. 15 minutes that is a just a, a really great like opening gambit um that's uh that's tense i think well choreographed and you know introduces a new factor into mm-hmm. uh the story and the narrative the trilogy what have you um and really sets up i, th- I think like uh, the movie that i kind of wanted to see like i like a, just mm-hmm. like a really um a good movie there's a sequence uh, you know like a the the orgo corp sequence that whole like that whole setting there i really liked um was really gloomy mm-hmm. um i guess overall in terms of pacing like i said the biggest thing for me was that flashback structure felt like it kept kind of dicing things up i think for me it's also just like i don't know i can't think of many like second sequels uh that have like that much of a flashback structure where you have like about six or seven flashbacks to one of the characters Mm -hmm. um there there certainly could be some out there i just it felt that felt very awkward to me not just the cuts or you know having it potentially kind of delay momentum but uh just the idea that it's like well this is like the third movie i know there's more we could learn about rockin's backstory i understand he hasn't talked about it he's been very guarded about that but uh mm-hmm. that just felt it just felt out of place it just that mm-hmm. felt off yeah i i will add that um captain america civil war had a series of flashbacks but they were far less integral to i mean not i don't want to say integral to the plot but to the main action of the movie mm-hmm. they were they were much you know they were shorter and you know they were a little more clipped and and were the way that they were the way they were used was was more building toward, a, yeah. you know, a reveal. I think than this one. This one it just felt like, you know, these these little elements are just like, I don't know. They're just giving you more flavor into into Rocket, and you know. Oh, and, is there a certain car crash that? Of course, I'm paranoid about spoiling yeah, the Civil War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, there, yeah there's a car crash. There's the stuff with Zemo yes. and the stuff yes. with um, with Bucky, and um, you know where they, you know, where they're showing his conditioning and, and all that mm. stuff. Okay. Um, 
yeah, like that that comes in between. But you know, like I said, that's that's more of Zemo's arc as the villain, mm-hmm. and it it's kind of showing those things. And then, of course, it's building to the big reveal at the end of you know the the conflict yeah. with Captain America and, and Iron Man. But um, but this one, yeah, this one was um, it, it. I don't know. They felt longer and um, like I said, less a little less pertinent to the kind of just the main action of the movie. Um, you know, when, when we, when we got the resolution of that, of that arc with rocket, we, you know, there, there's not, it wasn't a big connecting point, you know, Mm -hmm. other than just to kind of show the, the relationship between he and, and the, and, you know, and, and the, I don't know, the villain, the villain, let's just say it like that. Um, (laughs) so it's, uh, um, yeah, I so I I think I do think it sort of interrupted the action, but also I cared less about the action in this movie mm-hmm. um, than than I have in in most of the others. Um, it it almost felt like the action were was more cursory, and the you know than than just you know mo- usually you know you see an action movie and you're like oh yes okay well here's exposition here's exposition here's things going on, um, and let's get to these action scenes and and with this one. I almost felt the opposite where I was like, okay, here's an action scene. This is happening. Okay. Let's like get back to the, to the, you know, to the non-action stuff and the drama of it, so to speak. But, um, yeah. so, you know, I, I don't know that it, it didn't, I don't know that it threw me off. I don't think it quite, I would say it quite threw me off, but, but the pacing did suffer a little bit, you know, uh, the, the further we got into it and, you know, and, and there's a lot of characters that they're introducing. So, um, you know, and that side of it. So, um, you know, and, and it, so it, it's just less, it, it made it, it made it feel a little messier, I guess. Um, and, and then also kind of, I, I, th- I do think maybe the action sequences suffered a little bit, the impact they had suffered just a little bit. Um, I, it, it was weird because I, I kind of cared less, a little less about that, um, that middle segment on the, the, um what what was the, i don't remember what it was called but it was the the orgo corp or yeah, the orgo, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it was just kind of like okay well it's an idea it's kind of neat but it's also sort of weird and gross in a way <laughs> i love the squishy noises <laughs> i <Yeah. laughs> and i was just like that's kind of gross but it was you know i maybe you know kind of to your point matt about watching mm-hmm. it again maybe i watch it again and 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 i can get into it more because it's like uh, it's it's less of that like um that come on, let's get on with it kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, cause I want to see what's going to happen here. Um, but you know, I, I can really kind of sit back and enjoy it. I, I would call that like, um, I, I used to call it like the, the incredible Hulk effect, you know, mm-hmm. back uh, before either of you were born. If you guys ever watched the original <laughs> incredible Hulk TV series, it was basically mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the most vanilla man in the history <laughs> of any sort of television show, wandering around and you're just waiting for him to turn into the giant monster so they can you know like <laughs> it up and it's like in the middle it's like just this very made for tv like story of oh look he's going to this other town and here's some girl who's in trouble and you know she's <laughs> gonna make out with him and then uh, when's he turning into the hulk like is he gonna turn into the hulk like <laughs> we... bruce banner's boring <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, he was, and he was david banner in, mm. in that for some oh, reason they, okay. they didn't like the alliteration in 1978 i guess but uh it was yeah he was he was david david bruce banner which is why in the angley I, I mean i don't know i'm i'm speculating why in the angley hulk his father nick nolte's character was david banner 
um, to uh, Eric Banner's Bruce Banner, but um, I, I, they they played that up. They played that down in the MCU a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's kind of that effect where you're kind of waiting for the next thing to happen. Um, but you know, for me in this movie, not so much the action scenes um, as much as you know the the drama of you know what's going to happen with with these characters and you know what is happening. So um, yeah, so that, that that's more where I was at. And I do have a question also that mm-hmm. I'm going to pose in the, I'll, I'll wait until we're done with this round, but okay. remind me to ask this question. Okay. Um, I will Maybe s- the spoiler, sorry, the spoiler, let's do that during the spoiler section because I think it, it's a necessary spoiler. So, okay. Sorry. Yeah. And we'll get to the spoilers here in a second, but um, I do want to say to your point about the action and everything, I, it's really a couple of points here. One is that I feel like the, it's almost I, I would be curious to know if this was like James Gunn's intention, but I mean it's clearly like an emotional journey, an emotional story that the the characters and the storyline is taking precedence over like set pieces in terms of action in a conventional Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. But it's almost like that opening that opening sequence with Adam Warlock feels like that is that's James Gunn being like, okay, here's your, here's your like big action set piece. It's, it's big. It's badass. It's like, there's a lot of like, like people are getting their asses handed to them. Yeah. And then now we're going to go into this, into this emotional story and everything. We'll have some action here and there and everything, but it's mostly, uh, you know, just, just to service the, the storyline that I want to, that I want to tell, um, which I have no problem with at all. But in terms also to kind of pivot over to um, that kind of middle section as well, I love the Orgo Corp thing sequence and everything for a couple of reasons. Um, well, really just, well, a couple of reasons. One, just the wit of it's hilarious. But um, also, like, it just feels, it feels very grounded in the Guardians of the Galaxy universe. It feels like it's, it's it's almost like a it's almost like a retread of like the the prison escape in the first movie yeah. um in terms of structure and everything i also adored the there there were a couple of big like sci-fi homages that like one was de- definitely like a direct homage like a direct reference i think james gunn has even mentioned this that uh yeah he tweeted about it but um that the that the spacesuits that they wore for that sequence were like modeled and and the color schemes were were taken after 2001 a space odyssey is an homage to that and i'm like oh yeah that's uh, yeah okay i love that i'm like uh, i'm just i'm all on board for that and then later when they go to another planet um which we'll talk about in spoilers and everything but like just the overall vibe of that, like the way and the way that Peter reacts to it in terms of what the planet is. I'm trying to be vague for spoiler's sake, but mm-hmm. um, it felt like it felt like that a quintessential like Twilight Zone episode where it's like you're in a familiar place, but it's everything is unfamiliar. And then I don't know if that's an intentional thing that he had in mind when he made that um in the movie Planet but i was just was ex- the thing i was thinking exactly of. Yeah, exactly yeah. yeah exactly it's mm-hmm. it is it is exactly like it yeah absolutely um and it's just it like it, i just felt like hugging the movie <laughs> because it just felt just so 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 good but um yeah. 
but yeah, so so those are those are my thoughts. Any other kind of non-spoiler broad thoughts that you guys have, or should we jump into spoilers? You know, I I do want to mention because I haven't talked about Adam Warlock very much. Oh yeah. Um, and and I don't know what to call him in terms of like the comic version of him mm. of Adam Warlock, but I know that he was because I didn't have that much um, interaction with him. I I had kind of mm. stopped reading comics when he became you know a bigger thing, but I know that he was. Um, in the comics was a, a major part of the, the infinity gauntlets kind of saga and, mm. you know, going, you know, with, he interacted with Thanos and was sort of like the, the secret weapon against him in, in the comics a little bit, but I was really disappointed in, you know, for all the buildup they gave, you know, to the, Tim's character, what he ended up being in this movie. And even, yeah. even the start of the film, uh, you know, there, there was a, a pretty impressive display and then he just, turned into this kind of one note joke and he was sort of a, a just like a colossally dumb character for a <laughs> while and and it was just it, it was strange because it it wasn't i would almost would have wanted it to be a naive character but mm-hmm. he really didn't come off as naive so much as just stupid <laughs> and and you know and and I, that was sort of disappointing um, and I very quickly stopped caring about him as a character in the film, but um, I, I will call that a, a bit of a disappointment. Um, you know, you know, there of, of course with how that shaped out was, you know, was what it was. But mm-hmm. it was really, it really kind of became after that initial scene. I just very much turned into I don't care that he's on screen at all, um, and I kind of wish he wasn't here. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's almost like since they set him up in the second movie, they needed to do something with him. And it, it that's yeah. maybe, and I feel like I'm dogging the movie. I, like I'll, I'll go ahead and say I rated it four and a half out of five stars. <laughs> like I loved yeah. this movie, but mm-hmm. it felt like since they established Adam Warlock or they hinted at him in the, in the second movie, mm-hmm. it like that plus the idea of like end game, supposed to like like it felt like after endgame it felt like it was supposed to lead to a more like peter and gamora centric guardians 3 and -hmm. then you also throw in the whole like thor of it all that i remember reading that james gunn saying like saying like oh apparently thor's hanging out with the guardians like i didn't know that that was that was a thing um But like those those three things, and then this is the movie we get. Just feels like those those disparate pieces. Like Thor is not in the movie any anywhere in the movie, by the way. Yeah. But um, in terms of Adam Warlock and Peter and and Gamora, it just feels like those were those were like loose threads that needed to be put into the story that that James Gunn had dedicated the the story to be about Rocket, and it, that it just didn't really gel quite as well as as I would have liked it to. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, any any other thoughts or should we go into spoilers? Yeah, most of my stuff I'll probably just I'll probably just save for spoilers cuz there's stuff within the story that mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Um so I rated it four and a half stars out of 5. What did you guys rate it and then we'll go into spoilers. Go ahead, Brent. I'm I'm going to look mine up because I don't remember. <laughs> uh, two and a half. Uh, oh. I rated the first one three, and the second one three and a half. Oh, I think nice. actually initially I gave uh, the second one like a four. It was a three and a half out of four. That's when I, the rating scale I was using at that point. 
uh, regardless, the the second one is uh, is my favorite. This is my least of the three, but again, they're they're um, they're they're generally solid movies. Uh, I just I think that that second one kind of gets the Guardians form formula the best of the three. Yeah, I I did nice. give it four. Um, I I may I don't know I may after a few days of reflection maybe would have made it more of like a three and a half, but I, I would say a three and a half to four. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm fans of, you know, I'm a big fan of, of yeah. Marvel movies. So even, even Thor, Love and Thunder, you know, I think I gave three and a half and mm. Ant-Man, uh, Quantumania, I think I gave three and a half also. So, um, I, I'm, I'll admit to being a bit of an apologist, um, <laughs> because I just enjoy watching them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I yeah, I, I gave Quantumania films. three and a half. I actually, Quantumania okay. is not only my favorite ant-man movie but like by far my favorite of the three um like i just the first two i just didn't really care about very much at all but Mm -hmm. that third one uh i thought well we're not reviewing ant-man so i guess i don't need to go (laughs) into it uh but i liked love and thunder too i sort of like the the more the newer ones that people are like oh man this is really bad i'm like i still kind of like it so like i don't i don't know like generally i'm a pretty easy Mm -hmm. sell for like definitely the majority of mcu movies i've enjoyed i just mm. and again i could have gotten there with this one i think mm. again the main thing is just the i just didn't care for where the story went but i think the other things like the performances and um the the the, the general like vibe i think is still there it was yeah. just the choices that were made with the story that kind of sunk it for me okay nice um and and it's funny, like my ratings for Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, uh, basically the first one I rated four and a half stars, the second one I rated four stars, and this one I rated four and a half stars. Um, yeah. And it, it'll be interesting to see how that rating adjusts the after I've seen it a couple more times, because I could see it going either way. Like I could see it staying at four and a half stars or those things that we're going to talk about in spoilers that didn't really work for me. Um kind of it's it's going to be a question of whether those take precedent over the emotional aspect of it because the emotions of this movie hooked me and just did not let go it was it was incredible so um but yeah but having said that let's go ahead and go into spoilers for guardians of the galaxy volume three if you don't want to be spoiled go ahead and check the show notes for timestamps to hop around that but uh to go into spoilers i'm going to play a clip from the trailer for guardians of the galaxy volume three when we come back we're going to be spoiling the movie so stay tuned we'll all fly away together one last time into the forever that beautiful sky Okay, so to bring us into spoilers, I do want to mention something that I saw um kind of kind of being being brought around uh the internet uh like it's been it's been kind of going around the internet uh the last couple of days but basically James Gunn I don't know if he said this on Twitter or wherever but um he confirmed that at the end of the movie when Groot says I love you guys that is the intention was that he was was that James Gunn was saying that now the audience is 
part of the Guardians of the Galaxy family, and now we understand what he's saying. So he's, so it's not that he's he. It's not him saying it. That's why they don't react to it because yeah. it's just how he normally talks. And like, like saying that out loud right now, like sends chills down my spine <laughs> because it works for me so well. That, that, that yeah, I you know I very much rolled my eyes when that happened in the, in the during the screening, but yeah, saying it like that mm. is I'm like. Cool, fully on board. Just let yeah. just let him talk normally. The sentimentality uh, is just off the charts for me. I think that that's that's really and coupled with the like the line like when when Gamora like understands him at the end and and uh, like that's that's it. I don't know. It just it all it all kind of works for me. Even yeah yeah. So I don't know. I just wanted to kind of jump off the the spoiler mm-hmm. section with with that because it's been kind of fresh in my mind every every time I see that like retweeted or on TikTok or whatever. It, it is those sorts of little touches through the movie. You know, you, yeah, you mentioned him, uh, you mentioned Gamora just beginning to understand him. Um, and yeah, she, you know, she, again, we're spoiling. So she spends yeah. a lot of the movie um, again, this alternate Gamora basically, you know, now doesn't know Groot. She's annoyed that he just walks around saying, I am Groot and everyone's mm-hmm. acting like they know what he's saying. And she's like, why, why do you keep saying the same three words? You keep saying that. Yes, I know you're Groot. And then later on, she just like says something. He just she just like responds back to him in a very natural way, and that though it's like she didn't even know that she understood him, right? She didn't didn't even realize, yeah, yeah. And there, there's just so many little touches like that, kind of through the movie that that just make it, you know, that give it just a little more depth, you know, the um, that you know, and as as much as I thought the um, uh, Peter's kind of the drunkenness at the beginning was mm-hmm. played more for jokes than for the the emotion of it. I think as it went along that resonated a little more. It got a, it got a little better because he you know, it wasn't like like Fat Thor, you know, where right. it, you know, it it I mean, well, I guess maybe it was sort of like Fat Thor where um you play it as a bit of a joke, but then underneath it you see what the real the real thing is and it, it gives it a little bit of poignance and um and and i think i think that worked well in 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 game and i think it, it worked maybe not quite as well here but it it still worked relatively well and it was it, it was more of a it, it was something that again at the beginning i rolled my eyes a little bit and then but then as it went along i was like okay yeah this makes more sense and i i, I kind of get what they're doing and it and and i'm i'm into it but um but the the question that i wanted to ask mm-hmm. um does there's actually two now that i think about it one less so my my first one is was groot a fully cg character in this because i looked at him half the time and i thought is that just a guy in a suit like it looks like hmm. a guy in a suit more than you know the in the first two well on all of the other previous versions he was very much a cg character here as it went along like he was he felt bigger and thicker and his legs were, you know, like he looked different physically to the point that I thought it was maybe a guy in a suit. (laughs) And I I don't know if anyone else thought that or if it was even, you know, even really like if it was something you even thought about. I didn't really think think about about it. it. (laughs) (laughs) Someone someone listening, uh, you know, when you watch it, um, you know, maybe maybe come in and leave a comment and say whether you thought he was. I I have no knowledge, you know, as to whether he was or wasn't. But uh, I remember about two thirds of the way through, I thought, man, he really looks different and it looks more practical. Uh, maybe he's just in a suit. And I know um, 
I, I think the Disney World version of Groot is, you know, there's a person in a suit, um, it, and it looked it it re- reminded me very much of the just the the clips I've seen of of that that version of, of Groot. At Wait, World. the one at Disney World isn't the real Groot? <laughs> what do you well, mean? It's a, yeah, like a human I mean, under well, there. Well, okay, so there's the what real Groot, me? and then there's like Groot's helpers that come oh. in, you know, like and then they go to the malls, and that's you know, mm. like that kind of stuff. I was about to cry yeah. and poop my pants. <laughs> Thank you for, but, but but yeah. So so and then my other question was, <laughs> I don't think there was any mention of this, but you know, again, it's an important thing at the end of the film um, when it, I don't know how much we want to spoil, but um, oh, we're free, say Peter, free to spoil anything. Peter is Do in it. peril. <laughs> He's in peril, um, uh, much as much in the way that Yondu was in part two. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it really made me think, where the hell was his mask? We got no. Oh, yeah. There's his mask was just the Star Lord mask, right? Yeah. 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 The, you know, the one that like yeah. is stuck behind his ear that, you know, kind of like as like nanotechnology kind of thing, like Iron Man in, you know, in the, the last couple of movies where he just like taps behind his ear and his mask comes up and, you know, was, was yeah. a, was a very important plot point, especially in that second yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with Yandu's death, and and here he is in the same predicament, basically, and he's his mask is gone, and there was no line of like, oh, it broke during this battle, yeah. or you know, I just forgot it. Like I fell down those stairs when like, I was drunk and broken. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like I'm, or, I'm, know, I'm only kind of being facetious. Like literally, something. I mean, like that, that would yeah. that would have worked perfectly. Um, yeah. what's kind of weird about that too is that wasn't wasn't that also a big pivotal point in the first movie or am i making that up where did was he definitely wears it a good bit yeah in terms of it being yeah him being in space like yeah yeah doesn't yeah yeah doesn't gamora come out and save him in the first movie i can't Um, remember i I, yeah i can't remember or he saves the mask on him at some point yeah Yeah, i think that's right but that was one of my one of my issues with that scene in in this movie is that the the saving him is is given to adam warlock and it just it it just felt like adam warlock didn't feel like a a fully fleshed out character by the end um Mm -hmm. the there there's a big whole thing about his his is his mother the sovereign or is the sovereign like the group of people the sovereign is the group but the um, and I, I don't remember her name now. Elizabeth, Elizabeth the Becky. Becky. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't remember. Let me see if I can find what her, I don't, I just don't recall what it is. Yeah. I, Aisha apparently, which I, yeah, I don't even Aisha, know if they actually, yeah. I don't know if they don't say think it in so the movie, either. but I looked it up yeah. after. Cause yeah. I was like, why mother, is she not more in it more? <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, there's a whole thing. Right. Yeah. Where like, she gets like exploded and like, mm. that doesn't feel like it had, like, I, I guess that that leads him to be like a better per like, like, I don't know, yeah. save Star Lord and then become a guardian um, yeah. himself, and that just feels like it felt like there is like maybe one or two scenes that are just like should have been put in like to lead to that, and there just wasn't. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. His, his whole arc yeah. was just not managed as well right. as, it, as it could or should have been. And also, I'm looking at the cast list, and there's an odd number of people who have appeared in other movies as different. Linda Cardellini is the right. voice of, 
Lila, Lila. Wow, mm-hmm. Lila. Okay. Yep. Um, Judy Greer is the voice of Warpig. Things I didn't. Oh wow. Realize. I mean, this mm-hmm. is listed in IMDb. I assume mm-hmm. this is accurate. Um, I know Michael Rosenbaum. You know, of mm-hmm. Smallville fame was in it. Um, also, um, but that's not that's Lex really, Luthor. He was not Lex Luthor. That would have been um, weird, but yeah. Um, yeah, that's just that's a that's an odd thing that they would have brought them back yeah. to play different characters. I wonder why Lloyd Kaufman speaking think, of trauma was, was yeah. yeah. I think yeah, that's I mean, mostly that, that's my that's my big yeah. problem. Oh, I'm sorry, Matt. Go ahead. Oh no, no, I was just gonna say I think that it's mostly just James Gunn with his 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 roster of like the James Gunn players. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that makes sense anyway. Yeah. But yeah, what but, were you going to say? You know, but, Car- but, you know, uh, Linda Cardellini and Judy mm. Greer, especially, were established characters, yeah. in, in, you know, in their other in their respective franchises. So that, that's kind of surprising that they would, oh, yeah. they would do that. And although they were voice, they are voice roles. Mm. And, you know, whatever. Sean Gunn plays two, two roles in this movie. So, <laughs> right. you know, right. in the, all of the movies, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the, that's my, ma- now that we're in spoilers, like, that's yes. my main issue with this movie is, like, why is Warlock not the main villain? All right, so, mm-hmm. basically, High Evolutionary is the main villain. That's a way to tie in Rocket's backstory, which I already said, non-spoilers just doesn't really work for me. All mm-hmm. right, so if you take the High Evolutionary out, save him for the very end, have him be the big baddie at the very end, you can mm-hmm. still have your throne room scene, that's cool, still have that, but have Warlock for the rest of it. Make yeah. the rest of it the gang versus warlock they could be on the run for him you can even have random reasons for them to go to orbit orgo corp that aren't uh we're trying to steal lines of code that allow us to put this med pack on on rocket yeah just have it be warlock and aisha versus the gang like that's fine he's yeah. a formidable foe vo- and again yeah. that's what we said like first 15 minutes like he hands it to him and it's and it's uh unnerving to watch them yeah because they it's like the the worst threat and that's what you want in a movie like this all, mm-hmm. you know yeah. kind of building up the stakes i think you could even have warlock be naive and not you know stupid but more like naive and not really understanding why he's doing the high evolutionary's bidding mm-hmm. or yeah. working for aisha or whatever she can kind of be the middleman so to speak mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff have way better just writing mm-hmm. for him and the, the high evolutionary stuff all he does so here's the thing like i i think as written he's not a good villain i think the performance is very good so that yeah. actor i'm sorry uh oh boy uh, that's chikudi uh Uji. so yeah. he's actually in peacemaker he mm-hmm. is basically without spoiling that he's He's in the whole thing. He's a main. He's a main character in it. And he's really good in that. And he's. I think his performance is really good in this. But the writing just is not good. All he says in this movie, the entire. It's so redundant. He's like, "Get me eight nine P one three. I can almost say it off the top of my head. He says it so <laughs> many times, and I get he wants his brain. I understand it. I understand what he wants. Uh, I understand why he wants it. He just. It's over and over. And then we see him in the flashbacks too, and it's not really that much different. It's we flesh out his character some, I guess. Yeah. But save him for the very end. And I understand why mm-hmm. they put him in so that you can tie back to the flashback. You can tie into all the other stuff. Mm. But have Warlock be the creation. Like, have that be the his... They could even have a moment of bonding at the end. Warlock and, and Rocket and saying we were both, you know, made by our creators and they didn't, don't understand. That. I do all that stuff. That's, mm-hmm. that's yeah. great. And Will Poulter, I think, is very good in this. I mean, he yeah. got jacked for this movie, and you hard, you only see him with the shirt off once. I'm, that's a personal <laughs> complaint of mine. Um, he, he gets like 
Terminator Terminator 2 at one point where he like kind of yeah. almost comes out as like liquid uh mm-hmm. whatever and I'm just like what is going on? Like why did why was he like sidelined? Like he should be the main villain of this. I don't yeah. and again, I like the performance of High Evolutionary, but just and especially at the end, like the, the whole stuff they did with his face was awesome. Like oh, that, that was amazing. His, his face like stretched. They reminded me of Brazil. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's like having yeah. that was super cool. Like those ideas are cool, but the writing just is not there for the villain. Yeah. So that that for me is like take out. I know this is like I know Matt. I know you're like the rock, rocket stuff. I know a lot of people are really responding to the rocket yeah. stuff. I'd say take out all the rocket stuff, mm-hmm. put the high evolutionary at the very end, and write a movie around Warlock as the villain. Mm-hmm. that's the that's the guardians three i want to see, see personally. my my counter to that and this is i'm going to preface this by saying again i rated this four and a half stars out of five <laughs> like mm-hmm. i love this movie but like you saying that brent makes me think like there's an alternate version of this movie that still has the rocket backstory and everything but mm-hmm. like you said saves the high evolutionary for the end um mm-hmm. and instead has a Instead of instead of focusing on building up the uh, in obviously antagonistic relationship between the high evolutionary and Rocket um, through those flashbacks, instead have like a counter, like like have a have a parallel storyline going with us having the flashbacks of Rocket and how he became that he became that hardened like kind of aggressive like person. Uh, that he has been throughout the trilogy and mirror that with Adam Warlock being this just overpowered like like creation of destruction and have his arc be him learning how to become like a human and like like it is in the movie but have it be more more uh more uh etched out in terms of a mirror to rocket's evolution as you know someone that is this maybe not idealistic but well idealistic and like dreamer character in his like backstory and then have adam warlock grow into that so it's kind of like a parallel thing where what we have now like the movie we have is adam warlock is is kind of he falls by the wayside and instead we get backstory the backstory of rocket which again i to double down on this i love this backstory i was i was i will be bawling my eyes out on subsequent viewings i'm sure but what we have is the buildup of that is rocket growing from this this like genius like creation of the high evolutionary who is is like grows to learn like what evil he is what evil the high evolutionary is and then the payoff is that he and i i love that confrontation between him and the high evolutionary and the guardians and the high evolutionary as well but that's mostly just because i was all in for the emotional ride and everything but if I were to look at it more objectively without that emotional connection and everything, it's a pretty cliched conclusion. Like it's like, okay, I've like, like my, like I have now grown into a character who can, who like, I don't need to kill you. Like, and you're not like, I know that you just want, you just hate the way things are. So I'm not going to be the one to kill you or anything like, like the, the, the Batman begins kind of thing. (laughs) Um, like I don't need to kill you. I just don't need to save you or whatever. But yeah. I don't know. I just feel feel like there's an interesting 
alternate version of this where Adam Warlock and, and Rocket's storylines are, are running parallel to each other and yeah. grow. But anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. You, Joe, well, you, and you, you can kind of see that. It, it is sort of an obvious parallel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is probably, to me, is the biggest thing that's missing is that it probably, uh, and, you know, I would I would assume, I'm going to assume that, you know, with, um, you know, with COVID and things going on, mm-hmm. that somewhere along the way, like a draft was missed that could have maybe, you know, tightened that up and made that a thing. Because as it is, Adam Warlock is just completely an uninteresting character. You know, yeah. in, in, the, in the movie as is, he's just not interesting at all. There's no, there's no kind of conflict in him. He, you know, he feels like he's there to just like beat the hell out of them in the first scene and then do what for the rest, like for the rest of the movie. He just right. like kind of chasing them, not really even chasing them because mm. most of the time he's not, he's just like sitting there and then he's waiting for something to do. And then in the meantime, like he gets teased and he's like, you know, just stupid and then he like and i don't mean stupid i mean stupid like literally in the in in the sense of like his intelligence level is low like they they say this at some point and then he's kind of a joke for a bit of the movie then he comes back at the end with something but there's not really it's not really an arc it's just sort of like it's like oh yeah he's still here we got to do something with him Mm -hmm. throw him there and and, yeah yeah, it would be like infinity war opening with thanos giving all the hands to hulk and then yeah. having Squidward be the villain. Like, that's literally right. like the analogy oh, I can make. Yeah. It's, like, it's yeah. so weird. And, like, having yeah. Thanos come back maybe later on sometimes. And, yeah. like, it, it's like, why is happening? I love that you call him Squidward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what uh, someone calls him that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah Tony yeah. does. Earth is yeah, off limits Tony's today. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the maw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the big guy with the big hammer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not Thor. Um, <laughs> The music. All right. So this is another thing like this is just like a personal taste thing. Like, you know, obviously love creep, love Radiohead, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Like, so, uh, of course, I come and get your love, you know, like Redbone, the first one, like mm-hmm. really neat moment where it's like, um, you know, it's like opening a movie like that and have him having like it's like, who is this guy? So that's fun. Uh Mr. Blue Sky before that movie that before that song got like really, really played to death, mm. uh, was really fun and too. Uh and having a really chaotic scene where I think you can't uh you can't hear or something. There's some quirk to it where you can see all the action. It's really chaotic and it's it's an upbeat song. Creep is a lot more sullen, obviously. They're going for a mood. I understand what they're going yeah. for, but I just it just didn't work for me. It didn't feel like Guardians. It's also a 90s song versus two yeah. 70s songs. And they do that right. a lot in this movie. Mm. Uh, Dog Days Are Over is weird. I don't know why that was the choice to end it. It feels very mm. like odd. Like I I'm again, I, I like Floma as much, much as the next person, but mm. it's just like this is how you want to like this is the note literally that you want to like end on. It just that felt just odd yeah. to me. And there were they they in the trailer, and I understand with the zoom, and I understand why they're skipping decades with mm-hmm. with the music, but I don't know. Maybe they just felt like they were done with 70s songs, but uh and, and there are some good needle drive, there are some good 90s songs in this. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that that I did like, but those two just even if I'm just talking about those two choices, those both rang as hollow and those are those are yeah. 
pretty big moments because it's you know the beginning and end. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Creep was a bit on the nose, I thought, especially. Um, but yeah, I I was the same way because it was like the yeah the the first two especially were both very seventies heavy, and it and it made sense in the context of you know like this was the music that that he was listening to. I mean, Peter. I, I mean, let me say it like this: like Peter is uh, should be like my age in terms of you know like the the timeline and you know and and even just like the relationship with his mom like in the music like that i i kind of had some of that not these songs they they specifically used but it was from that era and mm -hmm. those songs were such in, in the first movies they, they were such great additions oh yeah um, yeah the soundtracks were so perfect and here they again they picked like you said they picked good songs but it just kind of felt out of place it it was we didn't get any context of you know why now we're listening to newer stuff because that was the whole point right was that his walkman was was the tape that his mom had given him you know right before she died and was you know and it was like just this collect this presumably small collection of songs with you know a, i guess probably a few tapes but um yeah, but now suddenly he's got the Zune, and it—you know—I don't know. Yeah. Did, did he? Was there a scene where he picked that up in Infinity War? Or I uh, missed the <laughs> Zune thing. I know yeah. they mention it in this. Why not have? Because it's about uh, Star Lord. You know, Peter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, drinking to forget Gamora and that sort of thing, right? Okay, we can make this darker. That's fine. We can have the Hangover. We can have him getting carried out. We can have all the 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 somber stuff. But can we have a night out of him partying with whatever <laughs> creatures are on nowhere? And we yeah. can still have upbeat music uh -huh. and we can still make it a Guardians thing, but then have the morning after. Yeah. And then that's your, you know, balance to the the light and dark sort of tone. It just felt like this seems aggressively sullen mm -hmm. for Guardians. And I understand they're going for a darker thing with this, but it just felt like too uh just like plotting to me yeah, yeah. you and, know and it even dampened some of the the funnier scenes to me because i i there were times when i kind of felt bad for laughing you know and it was uh, and especially yep. with um with mantis you know as a character who was sort of like she was sort of just like the every woman in that in this movie where it's just like I'm around all of these idiots and they won't stop being idiots for two seconds and I can't right. take it anymore. She kind of took over the Gamora yes, kind of role. Good point. Yeah. 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 And in in a weird way that even Nebula kind of didn't, mm. uh, you know. Um, and, and in a way, from time to time, Nebula was kind of one of those guys. You know, there were just those mm -hmm. moments where she was just like okay, why are you being like this too? Like, and, and you know, Mantis, obviously they, they're, they have that little bit of relationship again, an interesting, it's an interesting thing to explore is, you know, you don't think of Mantis and Nebula together interacting that much mm -hmm. because their characters are so different, but it was interesting that they had all that conflict with each other. Uh, you know, and, and it was sort of a, I mean, not a main point, but it was, it was pretty prevalent and, yeah, and so it it was just it was just strange that to, um, to have to have just kind of all these elements there, and, and again, we're going back to the music. So <laughs> it's like, well, man. one one laugh that that is totally guilt free, as disappointing as the first sex scene in the MCU was in Eternals, <laughs> the first F bomb in the MCU. That 
wonderful. That was yeah. perfect. That Absol- was perfect. absolutely wonderful. I did absolutely not see perfect. that coming at all. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was so funny, and it's <laughs> it's a fun <laughs> setup with you know with with yeah. Peter and and Nebula, mm-hmm. and she doesn't know how the door works and and all that yeah. stuff and that work, but man, what he. he, he, he so for the bucket, I was the, just like the frustration I, I, was, was just, amazing. It was wonderful. It was uh-huh. just like a great line read. It was great, like physical stuff with her, like doing the keyhole and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just, so that was like a wonderful, uh, you know, comedy just a bit in this. The stuff with the um the on the keypads, the, the colors and stuff. Drax wanting to lay down on the couch, even that stuff on counter. I thought <laughs> yeah. all that stuff was really funny and really yeah. good, like Guardians humor, not just like MCU. Absolutely. So that happened yeah. humor. It's like specific to how these characters interact. So so those those uh, comedy you know beats definitely worked really well. I I agree. And and to go back to the kind of uh, obviously the somber stuff the the opening sequence with with creep playing and and the way that that is just lingering i like i was all for that and everything but i do think there is there is again a version of it like you said brent where like have the night out fun kind of upbeat mm. thing and then have the morning after and that's kind of like that that could have worked really well but anyway um but yeah the humor was great great the counter earth stuff i thought what that's like obviously like we talked about the planet of the apes kind of thing the twilight zone style Mm -hmm. rod serling like thing it was just like it it was just amazing i i loved it Mm -hmm. um and then just like using that as as a a barometer for the like complete evil of the high evolutionary I thought worked really well. Um, the scale of it was good. Um, in, in kind of that being like one of the big, like action set pieces, but also it also being like a catastrophic set piece rather than an action set piece. And that's also kind of similar to the end of the movie with the, like we get the one, like that one amazing, like hallway fight sequence with all the guardians I thought was just beautiful. Um, but even then that's them saving people that's that's the the main thing is they're getting people off of the off of the ship so that they can you know be rescued and everything so um yeah. i don't know i just i i i, I liked it <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um the the peter and gamora stuff though um that's i i mentioned that i'm going to i'm going to have to kind of refigure out my thoughts on it or or see how my thoughts evolve evolve on it the more i watch this movie but i just felt very uh, just not necessarily even underwhelmed but i feel like i mm-hmm. was not expecting it to be so inconclusive um like it it lays the groundwork that they yeah they there is that spark there they're they're mm-hmm. going to do like eventually they'll get back together i'm sure and and they'll be happy and everything there was enough laid there but but then it just felt like that she's going off to the with the with the ravagers and it's like oh yeah. okay and then he's going back to earth fine yeah. okay yeah. um yeah i so, did not really yeah. understand the lack of mm-hmm consequences in this movie Mm -hmm. uh i didn't really understand i don't want to say like i honestly think i don't want to say rocket but i think they could have killed off one of the guardians in the in the uh Mm -hmm. warlock scene i thought they were going to Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean that is so again if we're saying you know warlock is the villain 
like make that the thing that bands them all together mm-hmm. to go yeah. after him. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and that's the whole thing. It's like even Peter has his Leia Poppins moment and then he comes mm-hmm. back and it's like, okay, well, you know, he has to come back so he can eat cereal at the at the mm-hmm. stinger at the end. It's mm-hmm. just like, I, that was the thing that kind of bummed me out. I'm just like, this was supposed to be the one where, mm-hmm. I don't know, like something happened and, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It just yeah. feels like more and more in the MCU. It's just like, eh, like Fair. they're all gonna come back you yeah. know? <laughs> like yeah. it's a very it's a very kind of you know end gamian solution where sure. it's like it's like <laughs> no, no i mean they're gonna be they're gonna mm-hmm. be around yeah except but for I, you know sorry when yeah. these yeah. contracts are over <laughs> yeah i but i i do think that you know I, I i think maybe i disagree with you guys about peter and gamora because i mm-hmm. i liked the way that ended that it and it and it felt jarring and weird but i i felt like it was a, they're not going to get back together like this. Like Peter's got to go off and have his life, and that mm-hmm. was kind of the that end point. Was like you need to go and work on yourself, you know. And and, and it's it is and it's weird, you know. It's you know someone I who's been through a divorce and mm-hmm. you know how you know and I you know been through been through a divorce and but I still have you know this person in my life. We have kids and and I have a completely different relationship with her now and. It's in in to a degree. I kind of look back and go, "How could I have ever had the relationship that I thought I had?" Mm. You know, like based on what I have. Like I'm like my. I feel like my life is in a different place and in such a good way. And and I see Gamora kind of and Peter kind of representing that. And you know, and Peter is like wanting to hang on to this thing that is that's it's dead. You know, I mean, you know, whether it's she's the person that's dead or just the relationship itself that's dead, but you know, Gamora is at the very least is like moved on and is in a completely different place. And as much as he's pushing and pushing and pushing, she's just like, no, this is not, no, it's just not happening. And then it doesn't happen. And I didn't, I didn't even get a feeling like I got a feeling more like they can be cool with each other, but I never had an idea a thought that like, Oh yes, maybe they will get back together. Hmm. It was just like, no, she's going to go off and have her life now and do whatever she's going to do. And he's got to do the same thing. He's got to be, he's that person in a, in a divorce that didn't want to let go. And now he kind of has to, um, but so are you saying that, are you saying that Peter Quill is Steven Crowder? Sure. Just to clarify, I did like the Peter and Gamora stuff like in the movie, yeah. but I yeah. kind of rolled my eyes that she was even in this. Because Uh it's like, I don't really even know, like, okay, so she kind of, like, it's not a snap thing. It's like a, like, it's just like all this stuff, like, oh, Black Widow's dead, but then she gets her own movie. I'm just, Mm -hmm. I I don't know, just stuff like that. Or I'm just, and I know that's before, I understand the chronology is different, but it's just like, that's like kind of a thing for me. It's like, Groot could have disintegrated in those first 15 minutes. (laughs) I know a lot of people get a lot of feels about that. Totally Mm -hmm. get it. But I I would have been the same way, honestly. Yeah. Would that not want you to get, to have Warlock get it worse? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. You're right. Yeah. That he could have been the one to go, but Mm -hmm. the, um, and he tussles uh, with him a long time. I thought he was going to die. That's what I mean. It's like, there's points in this movie where it's like, I kind of, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was, I had one more point to make that I, Mm It seemed that I seems like I lost it. Uh, <laughs> Were you going to say Steve Crowder did nothing we're, wrong? We're, we're, we're <laughs> I, I had something there that I don't know. It was it was very poignant and and impactful. And well, I you definitely lost that. it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's gone forever. I'll never get it. 
Welcome to the Obsessive Euro Podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so I kind of want to circle back and talk about um, about Rocket a little bit. And one of the reasons why I think that it was, I it is kind of like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too with having them like in mortal danger at the beginning and then there's no consequences like you said, Brent. But mm-hmm. the way that... I like the the thing that I keyed in on on the way that the movie structured with with Rocket being out of commission and through the majority of the movie we like the only Rocket in the movie is the backstory Rocket and I felt like that was really important to to keep present day Rocket separate from his backstory Rocket because we've had two movies uh two avengers movies and a holiday special to know what rocket raccoon is like what his persona is what his energy is and to take him out of commission and then and then give us all of his backstory and that be the only version of rocket we see through the majority of the movie i think made it made it so much easier and more uh, interesting to me to hone in on that emotional aspect because this is a version of Rocket that we've never seen. This mm-hmm. is, it, and it's not even him. It's not even him taking his defenses down um, in a, in the conventional sense. It's just we're learning about him, um, and then once he you know survives and wakes up, is resurrected, what have you, in the in the in uh, in the kind of like uh, walk into the light moment. Um, which killed me like that, that, that just, it worked for me. And it's, it's again, it's kind of a, it's kind of a cliched yeah. sort of uh, narrative thing, but yeah. it's, it's very cliche. And that, yeah. that was, that was the one part that just about took me out. Oh, wow. Um, it, yeah, because it's like, I mean, and not, not just because it was that, but it's just mm-hmm. that we've seen that in Marvel already a handful of times. We saw yeah. it in Black Panther. We saw mm-hmm. it in, in infinity war and in game. Uh, you know it, where yeah. it was just like oh here's someone you know someone confronting someone who is maybe dead maybe not you know like from the the else world or the afterlife or whatever you call it and and i was just like uh, i don't know that was a little bit much but yeah um but it also established and it also established an emotional like baseline with him mm-hmm. again like th- we didn't realize and maybe if we didn't quite realize like this was these characters or these people that are these, you know, animals that he's interacted with the whole movie that they're kind of his, they're, his, they're his people. You know, there's, there's lines with, with rocket through the first two movies where, you know, he's, yes, he's comic relief. Yes. He's like cool. And he's kick ass, but there's also, there's also always an, an under the surface sort of emotional component to him. And mm-hmm. there, there was a moment in one of the movies where somebody was complaining about, you know, Oh, you know, like they're dead. And he's like, listen, we've all lost people. You're not yeah. the only one. And at the time it was like, that was such a, just kind of a weird moment, but almost an almost a throwaway moment. Mm-hmm. But that, that all kind of comes full circle after this movie where you're like, okay, yes, he's also, having this thing where you know he's also dealing with that he's not just here to be you know to make us laugh and yeah. and you know or to make us cheer when he's like you know laying waste to people with machine guns and things. <laughs> so 
you know, I would have I would have been cool with them knowing towards the end that all roads lead to the high evolutionary, and then Rocket says I can't go back there, and they say why, and then he sits down and explains his story. I'm cool with like a five yeah. minute flashback right there. Mm-hmm. For me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, not, again, to each their own. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just a different movie. I mean, and no, it's like yeah. you know, it's just not the movie he wanted to make. Mm-hmm. He, James Gunn has said like Rocket is his favorite uh, Guardian. He relates to him all this stuff. So he just wanted he wanted that, but he also wanted the Warlock stuff mm-hmm. and yeah. just the, the Rocket stuff went out. So and, it's just yeah. it's a different thing. You know what's funny? And this movie is is deceptively packed with things. It, I, and I, there's something that just came to my mind. I mean, we've been talking about this movie for a long time. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. Like, like, let's wrap it up. Honestly, I, I, I'll be honest same here. <laughs> but, but also, you know who we've either hardly mentioned or not at all mentioned oh. is Craglin, Sean Gunn's yeah. character, mm-hmm. and Cosmo. We haven't mm-hmm. even mentioned Cosmo, mm-hmm. and and there are some good things in there. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm saying let's talk about them at length, but right. there's just there's a lot going on in this movie. And, oh, yeah. and I think that's for me, that's what kind of what is keeping me from giving it a four, four mm. and a half to five, you know, like, like this is the best thing ever is maybe a little bit of that. Like there, there's just so much to juggle. There's so many little storylines yeah. that, that give it depth, but that also we don't necessarily get enough of, we don't get the, the proper amount of them or you know, like I said, in some cases they're kind of sub- subverting expectations, and and that's a good thing. But it it leaves you with a left me with a weird feeling. Um, but yeah, but the the those areas where we don't get enough of mm-hmm. things like the Adam Warlock, you know, was is the kind of the prime example it, to me that yeah, um, it, it's just there's a lot, and um, maybe there's too much being jammed in there. I don't know, but. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know? <laughs> I think so too. There is a there is there is a ton jammed in there, and to the point where, and we can we can start winding down on this, but mm-hmm. like it's to the point where after after the conflict is resolved and everything is is good, the the moment where where the group decides or comes to the conclusion like oh we need to break up we need to all go our separate ways we need to do this stuff and everything like that felt like that felt like it wasn't written to that point like like there are little pieces here and there but like Mm -hmm. at that point there's a little bit of narrative whiplash where like peter's like oh i need to go back to earth and and like and be like with my grandfather and everything it's like okay okay but i don't yeah, know God, how you got to that, that. Yeah, yeah this is just really just yeah. him wanting to do yeah everything to yeah. do yeah, yeah to conclude the trilogy and stuff and then and then it even gets to a point where it's like um at the like the post credit scene it's like okay so like and, and then we get like the legendary star lord will return it's like okay like yeah. what does that mean <laughs> like what yeah what? yeah all right yeah and the, um, yeah, the the what I have read is that I mean maybe he's going to just be in future movies, hmm. um, but also the legendary Star Star Lord I guess was a comic series, and um, maybe that'll be a show. You know, but I I, I, I don't see, see like I don't see solo movies, hmm. but I could see it. I could see a series. A, you know, even if it's yeah. just a single season. Um, but you know, as a way to bring him back and to to do if there's something interesting to do with them. I hmm. don't know that especially that would connect um, would a solo movie do well 
His solo didn't do well. <laughs> 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 I had that one in the chamber. I was working on it. All right. Well, thank you for listening <laughs> to the one. obsessive viewer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um... But, yeah, but I, I, that, that was, and that's the other thing about this movie is how much it doesn't, um, at least on the surface, connect in an overt way to the rest of what's been going on in the more recent, you know, Marvel movies. Yeah. So there's no. There's not that, like we said, they don't even mention Thor. There's not even a yeah. line about Thor. Like, oh yeah, you know, I mean, obviously we saw that in Love and Thunder that he, mm-hmm. you know, that he hung out with them for a while and then took off. But as much as they telegraph that in Endgame, it seems like maybe there would have been it would have been. And I was looking forward to mm. a Guardians three that had Thor in it. Yeah, well, I thought it would have been fun. But also, um, I think I got I got it wrong. It was Taika Waititi that was like thrown off by the fact that Thor was with uh, the Guardians because then when he had to make Love and Thunder, it's like, oh, I have to shoehorn in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, um, well, so, but, yeah but just to correct James myself, Gunn did say like he was like I was really relieved that Love and mm. Thunder just kind of like tossed him because I wasn't going to put him in my movie at all. Like I yeah. didn't want him there, and I thought it was weird that they decided to do it. Yeah, uh, so that they 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 probably shared that sentiment. <laughs> yeah. I, I was talking to go back to the to the post credit scene and everything. I was talking to our friends Evan and Andy um, after the movie, and the, the a theory kind of came up about that post credit scene. Um, I think I I don't know if I I think we all kind of came to the same conclusion as we were talking it out. But the theory was that throughout that post credit scene. Peter is telling his grandfather, like saying, like, well, it's weird that, you know, I'm that I'm mowing the grass and like her son is just watching me and every, yeah. like there's a whole thing. It's it's cute, funny and everything. The theory that came out of that conversation was that I wonder if that was supposed to be and I, I don't see it being this because I think James Gunn would have had more control over it. But mm-hmm. I wonder if that was supposed to be like a thing where it was supposed to be like the 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 reveal would be like oh a variant of kang is watching him like that like kang is there oh yeah uh-huh. and with all the stuff going on with jonathan majors they were like eh, let's let's cut yeah. this let's let's just be safe and like cut this out yeah, yeah. which yeah I, I would that would be interesting if that was if that was the case but, but I, yeah i did read something also that the newspaper that they were reading at some point had a headline that maybe was going to connect Mm. to something that's going to maybe be the through line also that but though, yeah that's an that's an interesting theory and maybe yeah. they're both connected i don't know but yeah um yeah but um, it was it, it's those those are the fun parts you know again but again that yeah you know it wasn't as it wasn't as pronounced and you know i mean as we sometimes say distracting to the, to right. the plot of the movie to, to have those little things if they were in there yeah yeah, yeah. um all right, so should we wrap up our review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three? Yeah, let's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how much I can talk about. <laughs> yeah, <my theory>. like, <laughs> which well, I'd love to, but <laughs> yeah. there's a frame about thirty minutes into the <laughs> at the thirty-one minute. Into, no, I'm kidding. But um, yeah, so that's our review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Um, uh, let us know what you thought of it. Obviously, you can you know reach out any way you can and everything. Um, we are going to close out the episode because I don't want to take too much more of your time with a probably brief non-spoiler review of BlackBerry. 
Um, if you guys are still game for that, were we good? Okay, I, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I got I got some time. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I have a little bit of time. <laughs> okay, so BlackBerry is uh, going to be on uh, in theaters this weekend, um, and it's from uh, IFC, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and just play a clip from the trailer to bring us into the non-spoiler review. So here we go. I don't think it's sketchy. The guy's a shark. I know how to market it, and I know who we can sell it to. But I want 50% of the company, and I've got to be CEO. I don't know who you think you are, but deal. Are you joking? We are in a race to get this thing to market, and we are a year behind. I need a prototype. I'll do it perfectly, or I, I don't do it. Mike, are you familiar with the saying, perfect is the enemy of good? Well, good enough is the enemy of humanity. What do you call it? It's called a Blackberry. Hmm. Try typing with your thumbs. So Blackberry, the premise is uh, Blackberry tells the story of Mike Lazaridis and Jim Balsili, uh, the two men who charted the course of the spectacular rise and catastrophic demise of the world's first smartphone. Uh, directed by Matt Johnson, written by Matt Johnson and Matthew Miller, based on a book by Jacquie uh, McNish and Sean Silkoff. The cast is Jay Baruchel, includes Jay Baruchel, Glenn Howerton, Matt Johnson, and Carrie Elwes. Elways. Um, guys, what did you think about BlackBerry? And uh, and and yeah, how did how did you guys feel about BlackBerry? I mm-hmm. gave it three and a half stars out of four out of five um non-spoilers how did you how did you guys feel about blackberry so after i saw this i ended up making this my feature review for this week because it's going to be playing at cinema center or art house uh in town and uh i really enjoyed it i gave it a four out of five um this is like a docudrama definitely easy to compare it to something like uh social network there are certain there's kind of a trifecta in this movie, kind of like a similar kind of trifecta that you get in social network, but the personalities are quite different. The performances are quite different. Mm-hmm. Um, and the trajectory of the narrative <laughs> ends up being quite different because Facebook is still extremely around, even more around <laughs> yeah. than when uh, it, the movie came out and the time that the movie is portraying, uh, whereas the BlackBerry is very difficult to find one uh, <laughs> right now. Uh, but um it's shot with that kind of urgent style, uh, kind of guerrilla style, kind of you're there in the room sort of thing, uh, similar to, I, I think the big short is one that I think people would throw around a lot. Um, I think the the editing is a lot more precise than that. Um, and, and actually the camera work is too. Uh, I, I really dug this. I do think it has a really sharp script. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of, a lot of jibbing and jabbing, uh, as they would say on the jib jab, <laughs> as they would say on uh, Sunny. And uh, Glenn Howerton is just uh, just wonderful. Oh, this. fantastic! I don't, I, I've seen him in other things besides Sunny, um, and I've liked him in other things besides Sunny. But this is a like a as a just really commanding performance that also taps into the stuff that he's done before uh, that makes him a really. Uh, engaging uh, presence uh, are definitely here. Jay Baruchel is probably the best I've ever seen him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's a story just very well told. I didn't really know very much about Blackberries other than they were the thing that everyone had in 2004 or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, they were kind of everywhere. And then I just, quite frankly, hadn't thought about them uh, after the iPhone came out, which is uh, the... the uh, uh, 
them watching the iPhone announcement is a is a big part of this. It's like the, yeah. the kind yeah. of <laughs> the the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can kind of see it on their faces. So yeah. uh, I, I have a review up, Matt, if you want to link to it. Oh, I will. Uh, yeah, um, those are kind of more my more expanded thoughts. But uh, yeah, I, I really dug this. Yeah, nice. I, I I did too. I I mean, it's it went straight to the top of of my list for the year. And I could, I mean, I could see it being on my top ten at the end of the year. I, nice. I was really into this movie. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, the Social Network comparison is very apt. I would, I would, I would maybe even throw um, Tetris in uh, to that mm-hmm. mix as well as another movie that I really enjoyed um, about a, uh, a very popular creation of its time uh, of the electronic nature. Uh, obviously, <laughs> you know, a video game versus a, a phone is, you know, it's different, but they there's it, it's you know the the vibes are different like social media but or like social network but there's a lot of um uh there's a lot of similarities there and um i i yeah, i i thought yeah i thought glenn howerton was fantastic in this and i thought jay farishell yeah. was amazing also um but yeah there there was just so much going on in this movie too that um it but the but it was very focused and like you said sharp is a good word to say it because it was for a, a movie about like nerds creating a, a mega company and you know and getting rich and it's it's not it's not even a new story you know um but mm-hmm. it, this there's just something about this that feels really fresh and different um it it's it it kind of mixes a lot of different kind of genres and um just just glenn howerton uh, just as he's just a complete irredeemable asshole in this movie <laughs> yeah and but he he I don't, it's it's amazing what he does honestly in this movie mm-hmm. is he yep. he's so contemptible in so many ways but he's strangely likable mm-hmm. in a way too mm-hmm. um he's obviously he's charismatic and but but also not in any way you know it's like he's he's a very good salesman you know mm-hmm. and, and obviously is his roles he just comes in and basically takes over this company he bullies everyone but at the same time you're like listen man you got to listen to him because he's mm-hmm. going to take you places and then you know, also he kind of does. And then, you know, obviously that, that plays out the way it plays out. Um, but it, it's just, yeah, it, the, the leads there have great chemistry and great kind of, kind of like fish out of, it's it's not a chemistry. Maybe it's like anti-chemistry because mm-hmm. they right. work well together, but also the clash of the styles is just so pronounced, Yeah, but, you know, but again, being the point of it all, but um, a lot of really good supporting performances. I love Saul Rubinek. I've loved Saul mm-hmm. Rubinek all the way back to Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, <laughs> you know that was the first place I saw him, and and he's been in a couple of things recently. Um, and, and so I liked seeing him um, in this role. And and Michael Ironside also was just so welcome. <laughs> it was just so welcome sitting there. I I'm trying to remember the last thing I saw him in The Machinist. I think. Oh wow! Um, years oh, wow. ago. Okay. I'm yeah. sure he's done lots of things since then, but that's the last thing I really remember him in. And he was, again, so different than than I'm used to seeing him, but also exactly the same, um, <laughs> as, just as a gruff prick who, you know, is strangely likable in parts, but is also another bully. Um, and yeah, and it's it's just a great story about people, you know, these guys who are these kind of tech dorks who are in over their heads, and they, you know, they're they're looking they they're looking for success and they find it. But, you know, again, it's one of those ones where it's like the price that you pay though is, you know, is something else. But, um, yeah, I, yeah, I, w- I was very into this Jay Baruchel again, amazing. And his mm-hmm. character, 
underwent such a great transformation in this yeah, movie for sure yeah but still in the end by the time the end came around he almost went right back to the place he was at yeah. before uh I, you know. great great social network parallel too with yeah. again not going into spoilers there's a mm-hmm. nice symmetry with the beginning mm-hmm. and the end yeah. also there is a song choice that i you know i love the social network i don't have to go mm-hmm. on about that movie uh-huh. I actually like the song choice at the end of this movie more than in that movie. Uh, yeah, I won't say what songs know, they are. I can but I can see that. Yeah. I actually yeah. I never well, I mean I'll spoil the one for social network. Yeah. Baby You're a Rich Man, like that movie is so amazing anyway that yeah. I just it could have been any song, whatever. It could have been like a grindcore song. I would have been like, oh, I still love this movie. <laughs> uh, but this one, it was such a nice, it was a really nice um song that the title ties into part of the movie anyway mm-hmm. but it's a great song anyway and it just has such a melancholy uh just vibe to it uh yeah. it's just a great closing shot too it's just yeah. a really oh, yeah. really nice ending the way that all sort of tied together uh so i, I did want to mention that because that, that's that's yeah. like the only time i would say a movie like compares <laughs> favorably to the social network right yeah. Well, yeah. so i gotta give it up <laughs> and like in the symmetry as well with the end scene in the way it, it calls back to in like base one of the first scenes with him right is just yeah. like i i love that bookended um aspect to it but I I was I was not as as high on this movie as you guys were. Um, I I I I I love it as a, I enjoy it a lot as a as a kind of uh, pair. I I think I my, in my awkward thoughts when I did a Patreon recording for it and everything um, was that this movie kind of feels like the. I, I I struggled to make an analogy, something like like this is the kid brother of the social network where mm-hmm. the social network is is, you know, serious and, and, and you know, it's older and everything. And then this is the kid brother that's that's silly, but also has its own seriousness to mm-hmm. it. So like the comedy aspect of it is something that I feel was, was done extremely well in this because it has all the makings of this kind of at this point, like standard, almost not, not necessarily cookie cutter, but like almost cliched, like tech startup docudrama. Mm -hmm. Uh, it hits all, all of those points, but there's such a level of humor to it that could have absolutely been a satirical, like, like almost parody thing of this because of what the blackberry was the blackberry failed <laughs> like you yeah like uh-huh. it 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 had everything it it was positioned to be something big and then it was big for a while and then and then uh apple destroyed it but they yeah. could have done like a ridiculous like adam mckay like parody version of this story but instead they they have all of the the skeletons of this type of movie and then they have this like more organic comedy leaning to it um that just it just it, it really kind of uh i i vibed with it as the as the kids say yeah mm-hmm. um yeah and then the other point i was gonna make i was, I was gonna make a whole point but i can't remember what it was but um <laughs> But yeah, I, I just I, I I appreciate this movie. I, I wasn't as as uh, high on it as you guys were. I think the characterizations are there. Um, they're good. That was the point I was going to make. The characterizations are good, but I 
I kind of wish that there was a little bit more. Like, for instance, um, the character of Doug, played by Matt Johnson, his like he's kind of he's 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 the Eduardo Savron of of the story, and his whole arc through the movie is like they they boil down his his issues to like what's going on and everything to like oh he he doesn't like how the culture in the office is changing so he talks about movie night like in two or three different scenes and it's like okay like i understand you're trying to expedite the story and everything but like don't just focus on like one thing and just have Mm -hmm. us extrapolate it and everything like do a little bit more add a little bit more dimension to it but um but I think ultimately the thing that kept me from from really, really enjoying this is that I feel like the beginning of the movie, and, and this is on me, I'm sure, but like the beginning of the movie sets sets a certain tone with the uh with them in the car, and then there's like I don't remember what it was, if it was like news or whatever, talking about how technology, like tech technology and communication is is like is going to change the world and everything. I, I kind of wish that it was more about that and how like they were the starters for the smartphone era and everything and how that technology changes, changed like the world. Um, or, or if it would have focused on like how, you know, they were in a prime position to change the world and then they lost. Like, I don't know. I, I kind of wish that there was a little bit more, um, a little bit more substance there, but Overall, like the performances are phenomenal, and and I enjoyed the movie quite a bit, so I can't really complain too much. Yeah, yeah. I, see, I think that. Well, go ahead, Joe. Sorry. No, well, I, I was going to say that you know I I did think that you know Doug was from time to time was o- a little over the top, mm-hmm. and I mean you know and maybe the you know everyone was over the top, and I'm and this is one of those movies where someone who worked at BlackBerry in, in those early days. And and I don't know which of those guys are real were real people and mm-hmm. which are kind of like just I I'm I'm assuming that you know like most of these movies that some of these guys the main players are all real people yeah and then but then maybe some of those other engineers there are kind of amalgams of several people or you know or are just like various people who are not real um, or are bits and pieces of real people yeah. um, I, I'm sure this is one of those movies where in some time in the future somebody's going to be like well yeah we weren't really like that like right. it wasn't you know because <laughs> they, they play them as overly like you know lackadaisical as far as like, yeah. they're just there to screw around and but to an extent that's there's there's an accuracy to that mm-hmm. um, you know with that kind of like late 90s you know, and you had like the dot coms coming up, you know, within a couple of years of this, um, probably like over, I think overlapping that I think of 2001, 2002, mm. um, there was that dot com bubble that came in. There's suddenly there's just all these people with, you know, like a single good idea and they're getting, they're becoming millionaires overnight and starting these companies that come and go. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I mean, and I, and I, I don't know, I, I might disagree to an extent that, that the Blackberry was a failure. It was, mm. It was a forerunner, uh, yeah. but again, it was one of those things that was a good idea where the, mm-hmm. you know, the people, and I think that it come, came through in the movie that they had a single good idea that they, all the conditions were right for them to capitalize on it. They all got very rich, very quick, and then it fizzled out as a yeah. lot of things did in that era. Um, you know, a, a better idea with, you know, a better backing and a more solid foundation 
you know, i.e. Apple, you know, yeah. was, was there to, to come in and do what businesses do. And what you kind of see them fighting through the movie is, is other places fight struggling against their idea, like discounting their idea, like, oh, we had our version of this and it right. didn't work. Um, so yours is not going to work. And they're like, well, yeah, but I got, I cracked the code. Like they cracked the code. And then it's like, of course, after a while, this is what business does is that everybody else catches up. And yeah. if you're not able to innovate, and go to that next level, then you're not going to be left behind. And that's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of what ended up happening here is, and you see that, it, you know, kind of, uh, again, I, I don't want to spoil, but you know, this is based on real events. Right. Uh, so, you know, how much can we actually spoil, but you, <laughs> yeah. you kind of see that resistance to, mm-hmm. um, to evolving as a company and hitting the next level. And maybe that's because those people just didn't have the ideas right. uh, necessary to maintain. And, which, you know, that's not a criticism even necessarily. It's not to say, you know, oh, well, you know, these people are jokes, but it's just like, you know, Mike was a nerd, you know, like mm-hmm. he's a nerd who had like founded his company, was getting taken advantage of because he was smart in a certain way, but not smart in another way. And, uh, and, you know, he, he jumped in the ocean with the sharks, so to speak. And, and, uh, it's, you know, this is kind of just what happens is they get yeah. taken advantage of and chewed up. And, uh, you know, there, there's a, there's a, maybe a bit of loose commentary uh, in this film about that. Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a strong satire. I think it's, I mean, I think that's, that's the, the overarching theme is mm-hmm. right. Is that, you know, business kind of eats itself to a degree and, and pe- and good people get, you know, get hurt and left behind and ruined and, um, you know, dragged down by, by other people. But, um, but along the way, you know, it's, it's everybody trying to succeed in, in a cutthroat kind of industry mm-hmm. where as soon as an idea hits, everybody's trying to replicate it. And, and, yeah. uh, I, I, I was just very much into that all like it, how, how many movies make can a, just a continual stream of, of board meetings and, you know, and, and one-on-ones with people make them fun and interesting. And this movie just kind of did that. Um, There's definitely a a very fun energy to it that makes you root for them for sure. Even though, you know, that, you know, spoiler alert, the iPhone exists. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's that's like, that's like one of the crucial scenes without spoiling it. Like Mm -hmm. there is a scene in which Mike demonstrates like the wrong stuff that he's learned yes. from Jim. Like mm-hmm. he absorbs all of the hubris and arrogance mm-hmm. that in you know, stubbornness and, and yeah. in a certain boardroom scene that is like really a great showcase for J.B. Rochelle, but just also, yeah. you know, the whole movie and showing his transformation. You brought up a good point, Matt, that I didn't bring in in my review. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Johnson should have hired someone else to play Doug. Yeah. Um, he's the director and co-writer and um, he, doesn't i know he's acted before i know he like, is an mm-hmm. actor but i'm sorry like he just doesn't quite have it here he kind of looks mm-hmm. like an ag cast um shy ronnie for a lot of this movie he has like the headband and like you know he's just kind of yeah. like and it's just kind of like i needed more and you mentioned like aurora savern you know yeah. uh, andrew garfield is so great in that movie and oh so, absolutely so much yeah. the, the heart of that movie and in this yeah it just felt kind of it just felt a lot more one note and um, yeah. i wish he would have just cast um 
quite frankly, I don't know necessarily a better actor, but just someone that was kind of game for more of a performance. Because because this yeah. is a I think really well directed. I think especially mm-hmm. in the second half, like this was really riveting to me. Yeah. Um. Right yeah. after like that iPhone announcement, everything else after, and the first half is certainly very good too. But mm-hmm. the the second half has really kind of won me over on this movie a lot. Um. Mm-hmm. Because I think it, it, it where how far it goes off the rails. There's a certain I can't spoil this, but there's a certain cut with a meeting that jim takes where it's mm-hmm. a very close up shot on his face on the phone uh-huh. and you don't know what kind of meeting or who he's meeting with and yeah. there's a there's a, a the next shot reveals who it what it is who it is whatever yeah and i like gasped <laughs> yeah uh-huh. uh, i don't that's about, about all i can say if you mm-hmm. know the real story then you kind of know where uh where things went but i didn't and uh <laughs> yeah, it, yeah i was like wow things are so off the rails not with the movie but in terms mm-hmm. of what actually happened in real life yeah there's a yeah, whole that... thing they have to do with planes <laughs> later yeah. on in the, <laughs> in the movie with a private jet where they have to like do all this crazy stuff uh th- there's a running through an airport scene that i haven't seen uh, since like a rom-com right running through an airport scene since uh, jerry mcguire yeah. so uh yeah anyway i, I, I like yeah. a lot about this but yeah, there there is that great moment toward the end where, uh, again, I'll, I'll be as vague as I can, where there's someone getting on a plane for one purpose, like, and, and it's a it's a very key moment, mm-hmm. and you know, and and you know, the, and then there's a phone call, and it's like, oh, here's this competing thing, that, <laughs> yes, and, that's and there and the and that. the choice is the the lack of hesitation in which one they choose is um, is just it's a fantastic moment. And and it's just like, if that that's the moment when you're like, yes, now we know exactly <laughs> how this is going to go down. Um, it, yeah, and it, it is fantastic. It, um, uh, again, and and again, it's um, just so just so much. I I do agree with you guys about Matt Johnson that mm-hmm. it, it's not that his it it is it kind of is his character <laughs> just very quickly becomes grating and annoying. Yeah, and he's not he's not the buddy. Like there's there's a moment early when. You know, Jim is Glenn Howerton's Jim Basili is he's jumps into this company. I mean, if if you don't know the story, he basically jumps in to BlackBerry and wants to take over the company. And Mike Jay Baruchel's character, Mike, understands that this probably needs to happen if their company is going to succeed. If if they don't get someone like him at the very least, their company is not going to make it. Yeah. And Doug is just like, we don't need him. We got this contract with this other place that, <laughs> you know, hasn't given us any money and won't return our phone calls anymore. But, <laughs> but you know, they're going to give us millions of dollars. And it's like, there's this, just this whole deal. And I think you're supposed to kind of feel bad for Doug and Mike as friends. Uh, because, you know, Jim is like, you got to leave this dude behind. Like, he's a clown. He's going to drag you down. And he's right. Like, that's yeah. the thing is he's right. Like, as much as it makes him seem like a dick, like, this is the right choice to make. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like there was never a moment where I felt like, oh, poor Doug. It was like, no, it's like that dude, like, dude needs to go. Like, he can be yeah. your buddy, but he's not a good business partner, you know, sitting there and like making move, like having movie nights all the time. And they're mm-hmm. playing like they're, they're, you know, they're, ta- I love the bit about them taking up the the phone line with yeah. the, uh, the internet connection. <laughs> oh, yeah. While they're all yep. playing games and um you know and they're just like what the hell is that <laughs> you know, it's like and that, that's and it's funny that's a thing for younger people too that they may mm-hmm. not remember about an internet connection 
back in the day. Although what they what the movie isn't showing you is that as soon as they picked the phone up, they all would have been kicked off the internet anyway. Right. So it, yep. that the the bit about that, like get off the internet, and they're like yelling at him, <laughs> like that was irrelevant because as soon as you pick the phone up, it's going to boot him off anyway. Right. Um, but it, but it, you know it was it, it was still a, a fun a fun thing. But then Doug does kind of later on get a quasi kind of moment. But uh, again, you know that that character could have used you know to to your guys' point, like someone who wouldn't have played up the clownish aspects quite so yeah. much um, and, and given him a little more of a, a come up and sort of, you know, mm-hmm. not, not an Eduardo Sabrin moment because, you know, he wasn't, I would argue he wasn't directly wronged quite as much as, you know, right. at least the trails go in the movie because he, he sort of deserved it because he was not a good business partner. Mm-hmm. He did not really contribute anything. It wasn't like he got screwed out of something like, he was a hanger on is what mm-hmm. is, you know, how I, yeah. how I read him in this movie. So, uh, but, but again, good performances all around. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I did think Carrie Elvis was maybe distracting, um, not as big a presence as I would have liked to have him to have been. Um, yeah, but again, Saul Rubinek and Michael Ironside to, you know, veteran character guys, mm-hmm. um, really made the most of their of their time on screen and i i was very happy to see them anytime they were they were on yeah yeah and and kind of my final thing about this and then we can definitely (laughs) wind down the actual episode but um i kind i wish that there would have been more just like a sliver of of characterization or uh, of detail about the three of them outside of the company because like we don't get much in terms of like Mike and Doug, like that's the most we get in terms of like like three dimensional characterization. But like like Jim, we get like he we're introduced to him, and then the entire movie is him working with BlackBerry and working on like making deals and doing his thing. And I just kind of wish that there was like it felt a little bit flat to me that there's like that there there was nothing really really giving us uh any kind of detail about their who they are as people outside of the company um so that was that was something that i was disappointed in but yeah i mean yeah. And, and jim got the most i think too with his interest in yeah you know, i mean i could say he you know he is interested in hockey you know that he right. got the most of that yeah and and there and there were a lot a lot of fun like early scenes you know where you know, the, especially the scene with Carrie Elwes at the beginning when mm-hmm. he's like, oh, do you like hockey? And he's like, I hate it. It's barbaric. <laughs> right. You know, like after we've seen Jim watching hockey games and talking yeah. about hockey. And, and listening to know, the they, radio and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's just, it, it was just a fun, that was a fun bit. And, you yeah. know, and, and that plays into things as they go along. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I wouldn't have minded seeing, maybe see, especially Jim and Mike, Mm-hmm. have a relationship because you you get the impression later on that they they were coexisting pretty well they were a decent yeah. team together because you know because the company was succeeding and you know but um but it was yeah i it didn't bother me just because the movie moved at such a frenetic kind of frantic pace that's that fair it, it was it, well it based yeah. Down. yeah but yeah. but it, it would have been i i do agree it would have been nice to see I, I don't I wouldn't have wanted them to be like good buddies. Right. But it, it was kind of nice to, to see like you're seeing Mike in the sort of like soul the soul of the devil kind of, mm-hmm. you know, that stage later on and his his hair is different and yeah. you know, like he you know, he's very polished and that was kind of neat. But 
So it, there's a lot of inferring, which I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe I like that more than if I would have actually seen it. But um, but I don't know. Maybe there's some deleted scenes that are there that I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, those, I wish those would have been in because it would have added something. But yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I agree. Um, okay, I am not going to take <laughs> too much more of you guys' time. Uh, any final thoughts on BlackBerry um, before we wind down for the evening? Yeah, uh, very very strong movie. I I like you know like like I said before, I I loved it. It's my favorite movie I've seen this year. Um, not that I've seen a ton, but mm-hmm. or that the quality has been spectacular, but. Um, this is uh, not not a tough choice for the best thing I've watched so far this year, um, and and maybe it'll stick around on my list for a while, my top ten list for a while. Nice, yeah, definitely one of the better things I've seen. Yeah, go out in the theater and see it. I like that they're Sweet. doing IFC sticking with theatrical release, and yeah, I hope I hope Glenn Howerton is enough of a draw that um, people who are it's always sunny fans I mm-hmm. think are going to like what they see of him here. Oh, uh, absolutely. Throughout the movie, I kept like anytime he like butted heads with Mike or, or Doug really. Uh, but mostly with Mike, like in my head, I could hear him like doing his, um, uh, his, it's always sunny thing. Like, like his God damn it, Charlie. But like doing (laughs) that with like Mike, but yeah, anyway, I've uh, I've never seen it's always sunny in Philadelphia. So I honestly, uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad that, you know, I, I don't have the, the baggage of that for, you know, for this (laughs) because he was, he he was such like just a slimy bastard in the movie, and I like I oh, yeah. I liked him for that, um, you know at least playing that role. Not obviously the character was loathsome, but um, you know I I enjoyed him in you know in that space. Yep, yeah, he was great. Um, okay. So that's our review of BlackBerry. Uh, it is opening in theaters this weekend. Uh, like Brent said, go go see it in theaters because it's great that they're doing a theatrical release. That's awesome. Um, so check that out. It's BlackBerry. That is our episode of The Obsessive Viewer. Thank you so much, Joe and Brent, for joining me today, uh, tonight, um, and into the early morning, probably. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> thank you guys for being so gracious with your time. Um, before we go, could you guys just share where they can, where listeners can find your work in social media and all of that online? Uh, Brent, do you want to go f- first? <laughs> uh, if you go to awakeinthedark.com, uh, that has like my Facebook, Twitter, Letterboxd, all that. All my handles are different on social media. But if you go there, that'll have all the uh, reviews and uh, Midwest Film Journal stuff and podcasts and everything should be up there. So awake, I N the dark dot com. Nice. And Jim? Right. Yeah. And yeah, you uh, again, you can read some of my more recent work on uh, Midwest Film Journal. Um, if if you want to jump into um, the increasingly dormant medium cool and movie podcast uh, <laughs> that's you know they're uh, my co-host there has been uh, uh very busy with things um but you know the, the a couple of episodes on there more recently well back in january that i was in um again uh you can find me on letterboxd at um joe r Shear. um thanks for reminding me of that because i forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I don't know hit me on facebook i, I don't really yes. get on twitter or instagram or anything but um, yeah, yeah, just check, you know, check things out and, uh, um, and you can, you can read my work at Midwest Film Journal. 
Nice. Well, uh, of course, you guys can find me at Obsessive Viewer all over the place. Check out my other shows, Anthology and uh, Tower Junkies. And once again, uh, thank you guys for joining me. Uh, thank you, Joe, and thank you, Brent. And yeah, also, final final plug for Patreon. Please uh, check it out if you are so inclined. There's tons of stuff there, like uh, hundreds of, of things on there. So patreon.com slash Obsessive Viewer. I'm going to go ahead and start playing us out. Uh, and of course, links to everything is going to be in the show notes. So you'll find Joe and Brent's recent work in the show notes as well. Um, yeah. Uh, in terms of Patreon and, and what's coming up and all over the place, I'm still doing my Expanse uh, book reviews. And I've got Succession coming up and everything. So check that out. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And I'll see you in the next uh, episode. And now, enjoy this short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. For the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, such as early access to episodes, TV book and movie reviews and reaction recordings, commentary tracks, and Patreon potpourri episodes, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. It seems pretty heartening to me seeing not just, obviously, you know, the writer is out there, but also the actors really kind of out there on the picketing lines. It's seeming to stand up for them. I, I think that's been pretty heartening. And I don't want to yeah. say like, oh, they that they didn't do that before, because I honestly I just don't remember seeing that many uh, images from it. Ever, there's so much video of, and photo of everything now compared to 2007 anyway. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but regardless, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In tw- 2007. Um, the main thing about the writer strike in 2007 was, uh, I like uh, residuals and pay for new media, um, yeah. like, like webisodes and stuff like that. And, yeah. uh, on the cusp of streaming, this podcast was edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com. You can find links to all of our shows at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts. For exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.